Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. As always, I'm Tannen Grace and joined by Ross Merriam. Ross, how are you doing today? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a glum day. It's been raining all week in Roanoke. It's basically never going to stop raining, which is kind of amplifying <laughs> the social distancing. Everybody's just now at home, like looking out the window, just raining all day. Basically just four straight days of rain. Is there a non-zero part of you that's a little bit worried? You know, we had those like locust swarms. We already have like this really bad disease going on. Is this a flood? You know, are the, is this is this biblical times? I don't know. If, I don't know how much you're, you're read up on the Bible. I but. mean, it, honestly, it, it might be. It wouldn't surprise me. It's yeah. 2020. Anything fucking goes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we are in well, uh, like the, the Tyson zone of years. Just anything could happen. And everybody would just be like, yeah, okay, sure. That happened. I might sound stupid here, but what is the Tyson zone? It's a thing popularized by Bill Simmons. Basically, he said for a while, Mike Tyson was so ridiculous that you would have just believed anything about him, like any news report, no matter what he did or how, how absurd. And, it, so he, and various people, I think, since that have entered the Tyson zone. Yeah, it's almost as if we have a high-ranking political official right now who's in the Tyson zone yeah, at all points in time. Maybe. I'm not sure, but maybe. You know, I don't know. I can, can you think of a specific person? I, there one, might be one. The UK has one. You know? <laughs> yeah, there might Australia probably has one right now, too. <laughs> or whatever, but anyway. Uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, so I know that you're, you know, you said you're on a glum day, and uh, I know you, uh, you, you had an interesting sleep-in schedule this morning. Um Anderson LeClaire moved to Roanoke, Virginia. Y'all had a little bit of a, a welcoming party last night. Did things get out of hand? Oh, a little bit. I woke up on their couch. Yeah. It was a, it was a long night, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for everyone who doesn't, so we were supposed to, so this is Wednesday that we're recording. It's Wednesday afternoon. So it's Wednesday evening for him. It's about 4.30 p.m. for me. Uh, we were supposed to record last night, but Ross is like, hey, like I might be a little busy and I didn't know what it was at first. I was like, no, let's try to record Tuesday night. That's like the time I have set aside. And then I found out that it was like, you know, a couple of you wrote up guys getting together to have some fun. I was like, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not getting the way of that. And so I'll let you guys have it. I mean, it, it was basically the, the three people that live in that house, one of which is Rob, who we see for verses, and then me and Corey and Corey's fiance. So essentially just the six people that I've been social distancing with, are like the only six people that I'm like either directly or indirectly in contact with. I just want to read uh, the text message uh, conversation that we had about this, though, just so there's there's actual documentation okay, of it other yeah. than in my phone, because I was like, you're you know, I was like, uh, hey, we can record tomorrow night if you want. And you're like, sounds like a plan. I was like, I didn't know that y'all are having dinner and fun. Enjoy, man. Tell everyone hi for me. And you responded with, you're a better friend than I deserve. <laughs> I just want to make sure you don't fucking forget that, Ross. <laughs> in the annals. We will never forget, Shannon. All right, good, good. Just, just making sure, just make sure. So that that is that's on the show. So there's now two places that is documented, and uh, it's like the two part verification thing. So there we go. All right. So I'm a better friend than you deserve. I don't even know if that's true. It's probably not. But anyway, uh, fun stuff. Did you do anything fun over the weekend? The last couple of days? No, I just did a lot of streaming. Didn't do a whole lot of winning. Well, you did a lot of winning the week before. Yeah, but we kind of immediately went back to the non-winning. I, you know, I'd much rather. You'd much rather be a player like that, right? Like you're not necessarily like. There's nothing wrong with being consistent, yeah. But like, I would rather be like high variance yeah, sp- spikes than spikes and scrubs. That's all you want. Yeah, because here's the thing: you go to an event and like, it's not like you're like, well, you know, I played for two days and I like min cashed or barely missed cash or whatever. It's like, no, I was done in the first three or four hours. Or I, it was pretty much the first season of BCW for me, right? Can you remember my opens? I either top eight of the open. Or I was home Saturday night. Like I would go pick an, I would just go pick another flight. Yeah, that is generally how you did. 
<laughs> but it's a good way of doing it. My, my favorite story of this is, I remember there was an Open that I went to. I played in the Open in Boston, right? Or what city were we in? We weren't actually Worcester. in Boston. We were in Worcester, yeah. I'm in, we're in Worcester. And so for people who don't know, if you haven't heard on the show before, I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? So I'm in Worcester Saturday morning. I play in the Open. I watched the last round of coverage from home. Of day one? Of day one. Did you have a feature match in this Open? I did not. Because losing or winning the round one feature match on camera and then watching round nine from home is the Todd Anderson. Yeah, it's the Todd Anderson. Well, did, yeah, but is, did he do this without a car? Mm, oh, yeah. It was it was, uh, it was a Richmond Open. He, he drove. Okay. So uh, I have another one as well. There was an Open a few years ago, uh, like one of my first Opens back when I was on team like NRG or whatever, like with... Brennan DeCandio and Mahandi, like it was a sweet little team. Um, I got the round one feature match because my deck was super sweet. I did the uh, Jerry Thompson. I took the two best decks in standard and just like mashed them together. I played uh, uh, Golgari Marvel. So like I played the Marvel deck and the Golgari deck. You know that yeah. you know the, you remember the open that Brennan beat you and he won the open of the, the Golgari. The yes, green black. I remember that Tannen. You didn't have to yes. remind me. Oh, I made sure. I made sure to throw that in there. You got to get the yeah, little jab the, in, uh, obviously. The Golgari Delirium deck. The Golgari Delirium deck. So I just combined the two. Um, so it was in Knoxville, Tennessee, or whatever I think I did, right? It's a 10-hour drive for me. That's a real place, yeah. Yeah, it's like a 10-hour drive for me. I drove by myself because everyone bailed at the last minute. Classic. So, uh, yeah, I drive up Friday, like, show up super late, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, uh, put my jersey on, you know, brush my teeth. Play round one in the feature match. Uh, proceed to punt round one on camera, right? And then um, I drove home that day. So I actually spent more time on the road than even in the city in which I played the tournament. It was a, it was a good weekend. It was a real good weekend. Good showing, you know? And you, you did this drive by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, uh, awful. Oh, yeah. It was, it was miserable. The only thing that makes it, like remotely bearable and honestly this just made me sad thinking about it, is usually baseball's going on during this this time because it was like during the summer or whatever and so uh i just got in my car uh you know i i pay for the baseball program every year like for football it's called like red zone or whatever you know and then this one's called i think extra innings you know they use a cute name that refers to the sport and i was like dude it's like noon i was like i got nine hours of baseball content at the least if not more because you can just sit there because like you know they play on in every time zone and it's a Saturday or whatever, so like there's early, mid, late games. So I was like, just put the phone up on the thing, turn on some games, and just just booked it. And I'm one of those people, like it's probably unhealthy and not safe, but I'm like only mandatory stops, like ba- like bathroom, gas, same time, go. You know, and then like, you know me, I'm not a big fast food person. Oh, I'm I'm a hundred percent stopping at like a Wendy's or whatever and getting like ten or fifteen nuggets and just like driving the quickest possible. Like I'm in and out and like. 2.6 minutes you know what i mean like we're no extra time 10 hour drive you probably stopped twice maybe i think i stopped twice because of either a gas but i have like a really i have like a honda accord so like the gas is really good but i think i uh, usually those drives if it's depending on when you leave if i'm driving till like one or two in the morning when it gets to be about like nine o'clock at night i usually get a energy drink of some kind just to make sure i don't kill myself you know what i mean like i don't want to fall asleep at the wheel you know you need some of that extra caffeine and it's not usually i usually get one of like the you need to mean it energy drinks, like I call them. You know the ones that are like the big, huge cans. Yeah. You know the rock stars <laughs> and stuff. I'm not fucking the ones. Right 
Yeah, yeah, the one I'm like, I need it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's. I think we joked about this on the show before. I, I think I may have made this joke with you. I can't remember who was on the show or not, where I was like, whatever you do, you know those cans are like bright and vibrant. They have cool color patterns and cool designs on them. Never look at what you're drinking. Like, never pour it out into another glass and drink it because it's it looks like toxic sludge. Speaking of energy drinks, by the way, Ross, and this was not planned, but this got organically put into the show. Maybe less organically now that I'm messing up the segue. But speaking of energy drinks, Ross, I'm enjoying a V8 energy drink right now. And they're amazing. I'm having one every day. And uh, V8, if you're listening, I'd really appreciate a sponsorship. We talked about this on Twitter. Where are you at? I need a response. Respond to me, you cowards. I know you can hear me. And So when you say we talked about this on Twitter, did you actually get a response from them on Twitter? No, not from V8. I meant like we is the collective we. Funny one, um, when I was doing the Hearthstone stuff, uh, my, my co-worker, co-caster, Nathan Zamora, that's admirable, he used to do this thing on his stream where after he would win a game, he would be like, and that's a GG for Fiji. And he would like take a swig of Fiji, but he would do like the product placement drink. You know what I'm talking about? Like on like the Pepsi commercials or Coke commercials when they drink from the can or whatever, you can always perfectly see the name. Oh, you know, yeah. you hold the can. And it, yeah. He would do that. Right. And he kept joking on the, he kept joking on his stream. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna get a Fiji endorsement. I'm gonna get a Fiji endorsement or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And as a joke, I, I went and looked up the stuff and got an email and sent them an email and they actually like reached out to him. Like, they actually had a conversation with them about it. So I was like, maybe I should just find the damn email and at least start. It ended up not working out, obviously. But uh, it's kind of funny that the conversation even happened or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I got a lot of messages. So we, we, like, randomly talked about this. I can't tell you how many people messaged me on, like, Discord or Twitter or, or Facebook or some other thing with, hey, I tried out that V8 energy drink since you talked about it. You know, like, I saw it at my local grocery or whatever. I tried one, and I'm addicted. So thank you. I don't know if they're being sarcastic or serious or both. And they keep asking what, what my favorite flavor is. I've tried almost all of them. And I'm not that big a fan of most of the flavors. But the pomegranate blueberry one, I am straight addicted to. Like, I actually, if I don't have one in today, I notice. I like, I'm like, where's that Where's that craving? If you really wanted the sponsorship, you would have just lied and said they're all great. But this one is particularly no, they're, good. No, they're good. They're just not for me. Like the peach mango one, like, not a big fan of peach. Mango is great. Uh, the banana one, like it tastes fine. I don't like the thickness. Yeah, I don't like the thickness of it because obviously it's a little, it's a banana thing, so it's a little thicker. You know, it's it's more like the consistency of actual V8. You know, V8's got that like you're you're kind of chewing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sludgy. Yeah, it's you're drinking soup. All right, <laughs> it's like, it's, let's be real. You're drinking it's soup. The fucking carrot soup that they chilled. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I remember, I was like starving once in this place next door, and I wanted a, like something hot, and the only thing they had hot. Like, it was, like, a little uh, mom-and-pop restaurant. The only thing they had, they had, like, sandwiches and stuff, right? Like, a little deli. But they had soup. And I was like, hey, can I get a soup to go? And they're like, well, we don't have a way to, like, make it to go. We have bowls that we, like, you know, it was, like, a Jason's Deli type place. You know what I'm talking about? One of those. And so I was like, where's your where's your drink machine? And so I got one of, like, the cups that you get for the drink machine, like, the styrofoam yeah. cup. I just put the soup in there and just drank the soup. So I was like, you know, driving down the street, enjoy my soup. It feels like a Seinfeld episode, <laughs> right? Yeah, but- you're the Kramer. You never want to be the Kramer. Yeah, so you, you, you don't go full Kramer. That's that's probably the thing. That's true. You don't want to go full Kramer. <laughs> didn't he? Um, didn't he just release something? I think he did like a new stand up or something recently. Not Kramer because he's. I think he's canceled. But uh, Jerry. He's been doing the comedians and cars getting coffee thing. Oh, that's still a thing. That's been around for like a decade, right, yeah. or something. But that's his thing. Maybe he has a new stand up. I don't know. I saw some, something on that. It's so hard to keep up with all the new stuff now, which you think you'd be better about it, but they're, they are just pumping stuff out. 
right now. Speaking of that, I, I actually wanted to know this. Have you watched any of the Jordan stuff? No. The Jordan documentary, The Last Dance? I have not watched an episode yet because I want to watch all of it. And like I don't want to wait or whatever, so I'm trying not to. I keep hearing unreal good stuff about it. Yeah. I haven't heard anything bad about it. I, I keep hearing good things too, and yet I have no desire to watch it. Because I know you hate Jordan. Like, I know it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't well, you're, say I hate Michael Jordan. Okay, uh, anti-Jordan then? Like, I mean, I, the, just uh, not, I wasn't a Jordan fan. And right. it was, like, I get it. Like, he's so good, but he was just so, you know, uh, he was just the only person that anybody talked about in the 90s, really. And it, that just got, that just annoyed me. Because it might have been one of the greatest eras of basketball, period. Like the '90s, the amount of talent that was in the league overall, like some of these teams and stuff, there were some really good players and and teams that, like, you know, there's obviously the tail end of some careers and the beginning of some really good careers. But I mean, he kind of overshadowed a lot of that by winning almost all the titles and everything that year, those years. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of you know good teams, good players in the '90s. But I w- would I say it's like higher than maybe the '80s or even now. I think the 2010s were a great decade and a really talent rich decade. Um, it w- would definitely be up there with the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's definitely better than like the 2000s or the 70s. Honestly, the, the way I think about it is like, I mean, we're not going to go too deep in this, but I want to think about like what the 90s or some of those teams that have looked like if Jordan just did not exist during that time. Like, who wins all the titles? Like, you know, does, you know, like how much does Shaq interact in the 90s? Like, does Barkley get one? Like, does Houston win five, you know, or four or something like that? Like, you know, those kind of things. Very interesting stuff, like, with some of these players. Like, does Utah get multiple titles? Like, they might. There's Utah. There's uh, the Pacers. I will say Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Reggie. Reggie there's, uh, Even though they, I thought that team was dog shit. But anyway, the, go ahead. The Penny Shack Magic. There's, uh, the, you know, the Ewing Knicks. The, uh, the Blazers with Clyde Drexler. The, uh, the Rockets. The, yeah, but they already got there, too. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, how many more do they win, you know? Like. The Peyton, uh, Sean Kemp Sonics. Oh, they yeah. They had some really good teams. They lost, they lost one of those finals. The Gloves. The 95-96 finals. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then, like, Barkley's Suns. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. And there'd be, you know, six titles to spread around. And that's one of the ones where you talk about, like, that's, that's like, one of the jokes that you hear a lot when they do, like, the LeBron versus Jordan things. It's, like, when Jordan was good and when he was on his game, no one won. It was Jordan. That's it. It's the only one who won titles. But like everyone's won a title in LeBron's watch, but like, it's 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 kind of a joke, you I know. Like say you, everyone, you know what I mean. Like, I don't literally mean everyone. <laughs> but, and uh, I've I've never really understood the, the like, you know, the argument comparing the, their like record in the finals because like, it, you know, LeBron has made nine finals, Jordan made six, so like three, just three of those losses immediately you can just throw out the window. Because they're better than, you know, whatever Jordan would have done in those years. Yeah, honestly, like, who cares about people's results in the finals? Like, we should just completely... It's, <laughs> it's, 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 the fact of just making a finals at all is, is, is such a yeah. big, huge thing in and of itself. That's where we really should judge people in their careers. You know, who cares about if they win or lose at the finals or if they even win one at all? It's, it's not an important thing, right? You seem oddly passionate about this. Subject. I don't know what you're talking about, Ross. I have no idea. You're, I think you're grasping at straws. Anyway, <laughs> I'm the one grasping the straws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, so say I don't think I did anything like super interesting during the uh, the break from the last show. I mean, uh, all the days kind of I know we talked about this, all the days kind of meld into one, don't they? Yeah, like I, 
I was worried that, like, time would go by very slowly under this, you know, social distancing era, but it's actually just gone incredibly quickly. Like, I I cannot believe we're three weeks into the month of May. Here's the thing. Do you, do you think it's going quickly because you actually can't discern one day from another, so it just feels like one unit of time instead of being like, well, you know, this week I was, like, busy, this week I was doing that, I was traveling here for this week, because, like... You're yeah. technically you're technically less busy. I know you're saying you're like working more than you were before, but that's because you have more free time to work. You know, you're not traveling yeah. and stuff. So, and like you can't you can't I can, or at least I can't remember you know distinct units of time in the past. So like you know before I would think oh we like you know last weekend I was in this city and the week that week before I was off the week before I was in Y city you know, and I would have that kind of timeline in my head. Now, three weeks have passed in May, and I'm just like, I have no idea what happened in any of them. My favorite is when people say things, you see this a lot on Twitter, they're like, hey, do you remember when this happened? Yeah, that was in 2020. That's how long this year has been. You're like, holy shit, that felt like seven years ago. Yeah. You know, I'm like, there's no way. Like, I've, I've literally fact-checked, like, multiple of those. I'm like, when did this actually happen? Holy shit. This year has been long, and there's been a lot of stuff. So, I don't know. Do you want to talk about magic? I guess <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I was ready for some smart ass comment. That was just perfect. Like literally, just nailed it. All right, so let's talk about some of these events that went on this weekend. I kind of want to like talk about the overarching idea of what would happen with these events for a second because I'm kind of excited about these results from this week because when you look at the results from the last few weeks, we had a defined either best deck or consistent thing that was happening. Right? You know, we had like the same you know the same deck taking home tons of wins tons of representations in the top fours and the top eights of these events. And this is the first really diverse week I can remember in a while, right? It's been at least three or four weeks that I, I can't, I can't remember all the winners being this diverse because the winners are all over the place in this. Yeah, it really is. The pioneer it narrowed for a little bit and it's since then it's really opened up. And it, it, I feel like it's followed that kind of pattern since its inception, which by the way, we keep talking about, it's been a long year. This has only been out for like seven months. Yeah, it feels like a long ass seven months or whatever. But I feel like you know, t obviously time is cyclical. But like you know, we, we, we every time we find a best deck, the format has fixed itself. So hopefully it keeps doing that, or the format has been diverse enough or wide enough that we've been able to find other things to do, right? And so, uh, which one did you want to start with today? Let's start with the earliest super qualifier. All right, which one is that? I'm just one? go in chronological order. That's the May fourteenth one, right? All right, so this one uh, won by a deck that we had a lot of press coming into, uh, the, you know, Ikoria coming out because they got a, a brand new toy in this. Um, the deck we're talking about here is Green Black Scales, Hardened Scales. But this one has, uh, you know, one copy of Evolutionary Elite Main. I'm going to go over a few things here, which you said you were a big fan of because you feel like these decks need another uh, sack out outlet. But this one has kind of a, a cool thing that we haven't seen in this deck and God, I don't know if ever. You know, for a while, this card was, like, played in some weird combo decks in standard, but there are three chamber centuries in this deck. And for people at home that don't know this card, this card has a, a casting cost of X. It enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each color of mana spent on it. So it kind of has, like, sunburst for people who are old enough to remember that. Then you can pay X and tap it and remove X plus one, plus one counters from it, and it deals X damage to any target. And then you can, play, you can pay Wooberg to return it from your graveyard to your hand. This deck is not doing. Yeah, this deck is. I was about to say. I, I just. I don't know if you saw me looking around. I was like, does this thing randomly have like a cascade? What is it? Cascade bluffs or not cascade bluffs? Uh, cascading cataracts cascading or whatever. Cataract. Yeah, whatever the land is that produces all five, but it doesn't even have one of those. Um, 
But anyway, we saw a lot of press of this deck since Ozolith came out, and you're seeing two of those in this version. It's just a card that, when you see it, it just screams Hardened Scales, right? You see this card, immediately the first thought everybody had was Hardened Scales, right? Unless they play Commander, and this could be in some Commander decks too, but... And, and you see like three or four copies in the modern list because they have Arcbind Ravager as a sack outlet, yeah. but it's significantly worse than Pioneer without it. That's why you see the evolutionary leap. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chamber Sentry is kind of cool because it's another construct to go with Metallic Mimic. So I, I don't know if you remember the... Yes. We played this on Versus you know, a month ago, and in game three of our match, Corey had turn one Hardened Scales, turn two Metallic Mimic, name, construct, and then just played four X constructs for zero. They enter with one counter because of the mimic, and then scales gives them the second counter. So it's just like a pile of burning tree emissaries. Is that good? It was. It was good enough. Yeah, yes. it was good enough. And so chamber entry just allows you to kind of like ramp up that combo aspect of the deck. Yeah, and it, like you know, it's another way to interact with creatures. Sometimes you can get extra counters on it with you know constructors and scales and Osleth. It's a great target for that. So it gets big. I think it, I played the deck more recently on versus, and I think I killed a Yorian with it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's actually <laughs> I dealt five to something. It had a lot of counters on it. And another thing to talk about, this is, this is another Luris of the Dream Den deck, like another deck that's really abusing that card and its energies while it's still legal in this format, which we'll see how long that happens because it was banned in multiple other formats, including it got banned in Vintage, Ross. It's the first power level ban in Vintage since 1996, since before a decent bit of our viewers were born or listeners, I guess depending on if they've ever watched us. but um, So cool stuff there. Uh, other uh, interesting cards from Ikoria making an impact on this Barrier Breach. This is a card that you and I talked about. I think this was technically on my top 10. Like I had this as like my honorable mention, these type cards. And I specifically talked about it. I thought Barrier Breach would make a pretty big impact in this format. It seems to be doing so. I think the card is very powerful in what it does. Uh, exiling is a big deal. Um, are you surprised? The biggest impact you've seen that card make is actually the lack of Orzov Auras. That deck has already just fallen off the map. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you're like you're the you're the we used to call this um, in track the person who would run out to a lead early. We called them the huh? We, yeah, we called them a rabbit. You know, they would like sprint out, and then the steady people would catch up. You know, the ones that are you know, and it, it happens a decent bit in Magic. We've been talking about it. it happens a lot in Pioneer. This deck that you know, like remember we've seen it with like mono black aggro, and you know, there's been bannings because of the two or chunky red, and then the format. You know, just mono white for a little while because we used to joke white was unplayable, and then the best deck was just a bunch of planes, which was baffling for a while. But um, yeah, like a lot of this deck's cool. I think it's uh, I think it's good. I think it's competitive. It uses some of the new cards from Akoria, which is really cool. And I've got to believe that we might see more of this. Like, why haven't we been seeing more of this? Honestly, you know, we saw Dom win a PTQ with it right before Akoria came out. Uh, Dom Harvey, and then we're seeing this win a super qualifier, but I feel like the representation overall of this deck is just not there. You're right. Like It is very low, almost, and somewhat surprisingly. I do think the deck is good, um, but just hasn't really caught on. I think, you know, it was awkward timing for the deck to get picked up well, because Dom won his tournament right before Ikoria, and so everybody was busy, like, you know, figuring out cool Ikoria stuff. And yeah, this is a Laris deck, but Laris caught on in, in so many other decks. This one got kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, but it is definitely, you know, a, it's a powerful deck. I'm, you know, and I'm kind of surprised we don't see more of it because it really does have, it has really explosive draws and it is also just surprisingly resilient against removal, uh, you know, with Luris and Evolutionary Leap and, you know, uh, and the Ozolith. 
So hangerback Walker, that, you know, some of its threats are just good against it generally too. So you know, maybe we'll start seeing more of it. Maybe this is a, a turning point for that deck, but it, it's one of those under the radar pioneer decks right now. Um, the rest of the top eight, not really under the radar, but just decks that you're expected to see. But we're starting to see some decks put up more results recently. I, I'm not surprised by the Abzan Rallies decks doing well here. You see it in like second place in another in another top eight finish. But the uh, third place deck uh, is is blue white uh, devotion, kind of the mono white yeah, devotion splash uh, blue. Yorian Kane Reinhardt, who's been playing this deck forever. Yeah, and then the fourth place deck is the one I kind of want to look at for a second. It's red white heroic, and this deck's been picking up a little bit lately, yeah. uh, especially. Antonio, who's been crushing with this deck a lot. And yeah, this deck picked up... See, three-mandic Soul Guide Lantern is new. That's interesting. But other than that, the, it looks pretty close to the list that they've been playing for a while. Triggers, triggers uh, Prowess, uh, you know, draws extra cards, can can stop some of the probably, like, the problematic cards. You know, if you hit an Uro with this, I gotta believe Uros, it can be a problematic card for this deck. Or just slowing down, you know, some decks by a turn is enough to get you a win with this one. Yeah, in in my uh, in my experience, and I've played with this deck a little bit, uh, it really is pretty all in. I, I you know I remember playing heroic decks where you'd really pace and measure the threats. Uh, you know, you use your protection, and you wanted like more than just the four gods willings. You see some uh, you know fight as ones in the sideboard, uh, but not, nothing extra in the main. This deck is really just killing people. And it is very good at that. You know, when you see Luris in the other formats, especially what you see was going on in Modern, and even a little bit of it in Legacy with Delver decks, is they've been pairing uh, Mishra's Bobble with Luris the Dreamed In. And maybe this is like their uh, poor man's, you know, kind of... I don't want to say uh, replacement, because, you know, having to use a mana to cast it and then a mana to draw the card is a lot. But if you're getting an effect out of it that's reasonable in the format, which, you know, when it comes into play, it exiles a card from a graveyard... This is a reasonable thing to be doing in the games that are going longer. You know, yeah, you're paying two mana to draw a card, but you're getting some effect out of it, and it's not the end of the world, right? And if your Luris is in play for a few turns, you'll probably find a way to get something going. And th this was also the week where Abzan Rally got really big. Yeah. So I assume it was meant to prey on the Rally decks. Uh, I doubt that stays in the main for long. I think basically they were in the sideboard, and they moved the Boros Charms that were in the main yeah. out for them. So those might get swapped back. The second, you know, it's it's straightforward in what it does. The list hasn't changed much, but, you know, it keeps winning. It's just another powerful Luris deck. And I do like the, you know, building it in a way where you just try to get them dead. Because Luris provides so much built-in resilience that you, uh, you're you just mainly worried about people going over the top of you. You know, especially in this format where there's multiple game-ending combos. So, uh, you know, just get them dead. Although I've, I've seen this deck just deal like 14 out of nowhere. Especially with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Dreadhorde Arcanist is still a messed up magic card if you've forgotten. Because here's the thing, I remember that card got printed. It was huge, right? Like, it, it affected Modern quite a bit, and then it kind of fell off there. It's still good in Legacy, but, like, it just shows the overall power level. Some of the cards have been printed over the last few years, and people kind of forget about that card. It's still really good and really powerful. If we take a look at the fifth place list, the thing I just want to kind of point out, this is the Jeskai Yorian Planeswalker Fires deck. But uh, it's pretty cool that you're seeing standard really start to affect pioneer in a lot of ways because you're seeing two agent of treachery in this list yeah. now along and with luca. luca yeah so what's good in standard generally is good enough for pioneer because of how you know the, the power level of some of these cards because like you're seeing that there's four birth of Melitis, and i was gonna say is there another way to make tokens in here for this deck 
the white omen, I believe, is usually in yeah. This usually deck. there's oh, white omen, not. but I don't see it. But there's uh, they, don't. they have shark typhoon. There's, makes there's also shark typhoon, typhoon, and then I think one of the planeswalkers makes it right. I guess you could hit a planeswalker if you need to. You have a, Gideon. Gideon becomes a creature, yeah, have, so sometimes they do that. Yeah, you have but. Gideon. You could second main face, but an age of treachery into the deck. But it's just another angle that the deck can operate at. That's pretty cool, right? Like just stealing a you know a big problematic permanent from your opponent can yep. be pretty good. And then now you know, it does very similar things to what it does in standard. It's still really powerful. It's that turn of you know you, you play your fires, you play some sort of interaction on turn four, and then you untap and on turn five you go like Luca, turn my you know Birth of Politis token into an agent, then play Yorian, blink my agent, blink my fires, you know tap my lands for some other spell. And you've like stolen two of their permanents and cast two other spells, and you have you know suddenly fifteen power on the battlefield and you're dominating. And then look, that kind of those kind of turns are insane. That seems really, really, really powerful, Rob. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a little awkward if you play against decks where Agent of Treachery is not particularly good. But I do like the sideboard you know options that this deck has. They bring in Resolute Archangel if they're playing against Burn, uh, and just you know gain a bunch of life with their Luca. They play bring in Void Winnower. That just happens to be good. Certainly good if your opponent is Gyruda. <laughs> yeah. I see that happen. Oh, no evens for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of rounding out uh, this top eight is a... It's like a... It's it's the mono-white Devotion deck, which usually you see the blue get splashed into it for Yorian, but this version splashes black. And I think this deck is pretty cool. But there's a card that I want to talk about in particular. It's a two of in the main deck. It's a how do you pronounce this card, this card's name? I've been pronouncing it Kunaros. Uh, the Hound of Atheros. Um, this card is now showing up main, and it's kind of like the Soul Guy Lantern that we were talking about earlier, right? So this card is one white black for a three three. It's got Vigilance, Menace, and Lifelink. It says creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield, and players can't cast spells from their graveyards. So uh, just a main deck hate piece. In this, and that's what this deck kind of does, right? This this feels kind of like prison e. It's got some some decent answers, some ways to stop stuff, and then it's just got this like combo that kills you. It kind of feels like death and taxes, I think, a little bit more than than prisonish type stuff. But it's even got a graph diggers cage main. I mean, like yeah, they, people were coming hard for the rally decks in this tournament, and they meant and two it. of them still made the top eight. Yeah, they meant it too. Like, yeah. you've got it. If you want to beat a deck. And you're like, I, 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 I want to beat this one. You need to mean it, and and they really did. So, I kind of wanted to point that out this week that we we're seeing a lot of main deck hate for these really popular decks, and it kind of goes into what we talked about, right? Like the the results really showed it this week. Like you saw a lot of diversity in these top decks. You know, you you know, you think, oh yeah, Abzan Rally and Lotus Breach would just be everywhere destroying everything, and that's that's not the case. Even though we did see multiple Abzan Rally and a Lotus Breach in the top eight, they did not win, and you're seeing these decks come a little bit more prepared now. Uh, but as we move into the other one, I want to talk about this. So we've seen the two best companions, right? Yorin and Luris. We've seen a ton of it here, right? I think this is one of the cool things that really jumped out to me about the diversity. If you look at the other super qualifier in the first place list, we have a different companion winning this tournament, Ross. I didn't see this coming this week. But uh, Gyruda, Doom of the Depths, the one you just mentioned a minute ago, actually won this tournament. So if you don't know what this deck does... It just puts a bunch of... It's it's a commander deck, man. It just puts a bunch of clones into play and tries to put a billion power into play. It's a bullshit deck as well. <laughs> you should see Ross's face, by the way, everybody. It's absurd. But, I mean, this deck is literally running multiple copies of Altered Ego, Clever Imposter. There's two Dragonlord Colagons in here. Like Yeah, you gotta give all your shit haste so you kill them. There's four Wisp Weaver Angels in here. Uh, a lot of you probably don't even know what that card does. It's a Kaladesh Uncommon from back in the day. There's, you know, some Thought Not Seers, but Spark Doubles. 
So what you're trying to do is you're trying to put Garuda into play as quickly as possible. And then when you start milling, you copy it with an altered ego or a clever imposter or something like that. You do it again. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And then you put a uh, Dragonlord Colagon into play and you kill your opponent. Or you just create this gigantic battlefield with all this, this value that's really hard for your opponent to sweep. There's not a lot of Supreme Verdicts going around right now. No. And yeah, you know, so the the important thing is that you get a spark double early in the chain so that you start making non-legendary Garudas and so that they all start building up. But this deck is just bullshit. <laughs> just complete bullshit. Yeah. It's so. Yeah. Um, you'll see some interesting card choices because of the restriction. All your cards have to be even in here. So um, I do like the inclusion of four Zaphron Void. I always thought this card was like kind of underplayed in formats. It's a uh, land that only produces colorless mana, but when it comes into play, you get to scry one. I always thought that like maybe some combo decks would want to use this. It, maybe I was wrong, but it's cool to see it in a, in a deck. You've, I mean, you've got to find the specific stuff here. It helps find your, your mana ramp stuff just so you can cast your Gyruda turn earlier. But I mean, that's about all I got for this one. Um, I know you don't want to talk too much about this BS deck, it's as you say. bullshit. should not never exist. It's literally no fun to play with or against. I just cannot imagine people wanting to play this deck. Yeah, I can see that. I can it's see not that. Clever. It's just like they always have the Gyruda. It's really stupid. Other than that, um, this top eight kind of rounded out in the way that the other one did. In second place, you're looking at another Jeskai Fires deck with main deck Agent of Treachery, like we talked about earlier. Third place was the mono red. Well, I say mono red. It's it's red splash white. You have Boris Charm and it's Luris, right? It's like the burn aggro yeah, Luris deck. Fourth place, you got another one of the Jeskai decks. Uh, this one with a lot of Agent of Treachery's main. You're getting up to up to three of them here. And then you're starting to see Inverter make a, a little bit of a comeback with multiple Inverter uh, decks. And then... Yeah, this fifth place is uh, Edgar Magage. Yep. You got 2094. Yeah. It, it, He's been I, uh, playing the, in, the Yorian inverter deck quite a bit so it's pretty cool he's been championing this deck for quite a while and other people have kind of picked up on it but it is a 80 card yorian deck with you uh i'm sorry 80 card um inverter of truth deck with with yorian it just a lot of extra value um really shows off the power of trial of ambition and that card has just made its way into a lot of other decks in this format as well just another reason why you're seeing the fall and kind of the, the the black white Aura's deck just disappear from the metagame. You saw so many people just trying to beat that deck, and then you realize this card's just reasonable enough, right? So, pretty cool uh, there. Uh, nothing really surprising in this top eight, other than there's like the creature version of Mono Red in seventh place with no. Uh, I'm sorry, it does have a companion. It's Obosh, but it's not Luris, right? Yeah, Mono Red Obosh has, has been around. This is like basically what the list looks like i think i'm not sure if they all play on crop crasher that might be new that's the thing it's kind of standing out to me there's four on crop crasher in this in this in this deck and that card is sweet i love that card yeah i lost this card a lot a lot of limited <laughs> instructed in that format this card you know those cards you look at them and you're like uh what was it i there was a card recently i remember telling you about it i'm like i think this card's good i'll never play it but i plan on losing to it a lot yeah, I, I remember you telling me this, but I can't remember what card you Yeah, it was about. some good card. It, it ended up happening a lot. But I'm like, I'm going to, oh, it was a Curious Obsession. And I ended up actually playing it and being, real, you know, doing well with it. But I remember, I was like, cards like this, I usually don't play these decks or whatever because I don't like the like the Auras decks very much. Oh, curious Obsession. Yeah, I missed that. Remember the days when Standard is fun. I missed that Mono Blue deck. Uh, that's a little foreshadowing for later as well. But uh, yeah, when Standard was fun. Uh, we can get into that later if we want. Uh, it's, it's been a rough day for Magic players today, but... 
Uh, <laughs> we can talk about. We're gonna we're gonna get into some more of that later. So if you're looking for some 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 sweet heaters there, uh, I'm gonna try to contain myself later. We'll put it that way. Um, moving on to the Pioneer Challenge this weekend. This one was won by a really. I'm not surprised by the deck choice. It's won by one of the Moto Grinders, not a Moto Grinder. One of the Moto Grinders, Jabberwocky, won this yeah. one. And he grinds Sultai all the time, so no surprise to see him playing it here. Mr. Logan Nettles. Um, so this is a cool version of it, right? It's a Yorian version of it, and you're looking at uh, cards that don't necessarily always show up in this deck with four Trial of Ambition, four Omen of the Sea, but four Shark Typhoon in this deck is cool too. Man, that card has really, really impressed. It's just, I think, one of the most ubiquitous, if not the most ubiquitous card out of Ikoria, getting just played in every deck that can cast it. Most ubiquitous non-companion. Yeah, okay, that's a good way to put it. This is this uh, is the card yeah, that, definitely. yeah, this is the card that's getting played the most that isn't Luris or Yorian. Yeah, and it, it's sneakily good here, both just as a powerful card, but it's also an easy way to get a, an enchantment in your graveyard for Delirium. Absolutely. So... Uh, I think that's really, really valuable here. Uh, cool things to show up. There's a random Agent of Treachery in here, because, again, we're just showing the power of this card. Uh, Yehini's Expertise makes a, 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 a one-of here, a main deck Soul Guide Lantern. There's even Narset main in this deck, kind of as a, like, a pseudo-hate piece, but also finding... Uh, a, there's only nine creatures in this deck. So you're finding a lot of other things going on in this deck that are good with Yorian as well. This is also just good with Yorian itself. And by finding Traverse, like, you know, you get to find your creatures with it. So That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about it that way, but finding Traverse is just, like, demonic tutor pretty much. Yeah, you know, the, this version is definitely trying to use Traverse a lot more than the, you know, traditional ones that we saw a few months ago. Because, you know, Omen of the Sea and Shark Typhoon give you ways to get enchantments in. They're playing the Soul Guide Lantern. You know, four of the four traverse makes sense. You're like a, a pretty large deck. We see a little that little bit of tutor package. You know, Kalidus is great against Absent Rally. Murderous Rider gives you a removal spell. Emrakul is your you know endgame haymaker agent. You know, a really good answer to any permanent that's great with the Orion. And then if you need to just draw cards, you have the Atris. So a, a very tight uh, tutor package there. You can also find a like Uro if you need a little life gain. Um, I think the the big addition here is Cry of the Carnarium, which we've also seen incorporated in the Yorian Inverter decks, and just yet another response to Absent Rally. Uh, you know, most of the the sweepers like Anger the Gods that exile, you can get around with Cartel Aristocrat, but because of Cry's weird like exile every creature that's been put in the graveyard this turn clause, you just can't get around it. And like all your creatures are tiny, so. They're just going to die. Also just happens to hit all the creatures in the Luris burn deck, including Luris. So just lines up really well against the format right now, at least the, the creature decks in the format. Uh, you know, it would be horrible against Ors of Auras, but we're just not seeing that. So I do have one question for you about this deck. And it's something I've thought about with these decks. When do you have to get to the point where you're, as you're also having a Yorion main in a deck like this? Um, yeah, I know uh, Corey has thought about this a bit and it just it, it sounds kind of cool but then you realize that like it's always going to be bad to draw it early because you you are basically already have a yorian in every single opening hand so like, how many times do you need do you want to cast two yorians in a game um and like the first one died or got countered i guess uh and it ends up just not being worth the space i think because you just want to fill out the lower part of your curve and make sure that you know you have things to blink with it and that you've interacted well uh, and the one you're in is just enough. So uh, to me, it just doesn't really make sense because you it's always going to be dead until a very 
late stage of the game. Okay, that makes sense to me. I was just you know, just thinking along the lines of like anytime the games go along. I think if it was a more mid-range centered format, I would think I would want access to a second copy possibly. You know, maybe have a second one on the sideboard if you can board in, but no, nah, that make, that all makes sense to me. I was wondering, you know, at one point do you start to really, really think about that? Anyway, uh, second place, we're looking at another copy of the Boros. Um, the Boros, like... Just call it Heroic. Yeah, the Boros Heroic deck. I wanted to see if I could find a different, better name for it, you know, because it's kind of got, like, the burn aspect and some other stuff. But yeah, the Boros Hero- Heroic deck. And then in third place, we're looking at a deck that we don't see that much anymore. But at one point in time, another deck that was probably considered the best deck in the format... And it's got a bunch of really good cards in it, and they're all really expensive, and they're really cool, but you're looking at Niv-Mizzet Reborn, and just another good spot for Yorian, right? There's another deck that we're seeing getting reinvigorated by the card Yorian. Yeah, you know, initially you always saw Gigantha in this deck, because like, yeah, we get to use the mana effectively, and as it turns out, you know, Gigantha is not a very powerful card, Yeah, and you know, might as well just put Yorian in your deck, uh, and... Uh, and, you know, it works pretty well. Like Oath of Kai is a great removal spell for you. You can blink that. Blinking to visit is obviously, you know, absurd. We're seeing Kunaros here that you mentioned earlier in the show. So, you know, that card's starting to really become popular and is basically in every deck that can cast it. And I'm, I haven't played uh, Pioneer in like the last week or so. I've been playing a lot of Modern and I'm just... I'm looking at all of these results, and now I'm just scared to, to log on and just jam my same Absam Rally deck. You get crushed every game. Yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone picking on me? I just let, I just want to keep playing my deck. Yeah. Another card that kind of sticks out to me here, it's a one-of, but it's a good bring the light target. And this card is very powerful when it does this thing. It's Extinction Event, another card from Akoria making big splashes. And it's another card that, yeah, it's a sweeper that's a little more conditional, but it does say the word Exile on it. So you, you, these people really really mean it ross yeah no I, I love extinction event too very happy to see that here um actually they have the extinction event and the hour of devastation so multiple sweepers definitely paying attention to creature decks here with you know a bunch of cheap removal and multiple sweepers oh uh, rounding out the top eight you're looking at some more just guy decks i'm trying to find if there's anything cool there was a cool deck in the fifth place it was kind of the green ramp like green blue ramp deck and you're looking at no companion in this deck as well which is like Whenever I see a deck without a companion, you better have a good reason not to have one right now. But you're looking at a deck with, you know, Nissa's, Ugin's. It's got a new Vivian in here, the Monster's Advocate. Uh, you know, a Boreal Grazer, a card that I feel like we saw in every deck for the longest time. And now we just don't see it that much. Whatever, but uh, this is another Uro, Nissa's Pilgrimage, Growth Spiral deck. You know, just trying to cast big dumb idiots and stuff, along with Cavalier of Thorns. I'm surprised to see this deck, honestly. Um, maybe this is a shift where it's like all these decks are trying to beat the Luris decks. All these decks are trying to beat, you know, Lotus Breach of it, and this deck just beats those decks, maybe. I yeah, I think it will generally be good against the aggressive decks outside of Wars of Auras, so like the you know, the the more burn heavy ones. Um But also like the mid-range decks are really playing to the battlefield a lot because they're all Yorian decks. So I think Ugin is in a good place right now to just trump all the value that they gain. So that, that's my read on this deck, that it's just like naturally good against burn strategies, which are popular, and Ugin is well-positioned. And that's, you know, generally a good sign for your ramp deck. Yeah, and you can see that here they have four Ugin in the deck. Like in the past, we saw like two to three, you know, maybe sometimes four, but 
again, another person who's really, really meaning it here, for Ugin. So um, don't get me wrong, I, I still have this deck, you know, I still own all these cards, I still want to play this deck or whatever, but because you know me and my Tronish ways. Then we're looking at some more Inverter, um, some more of the, the Boros Heroic deck. And then in eighth place, Ross's favorite deck, another Gyruda deck. So two, I mean, is this the one that, is this the same one that they won? They're all blending together. No, this is not the one they won, but two decks so far making the top eight with this guy Ruta deck. Ross, it, it's more than a meme. Yeah, I mean, there aren't a lot of counter spells around, right? You know, the people are playing Fires of Invention, you know, the the white blue uh, Yorian Heliod deck probably has some counter spells in the sideboard, but that's a, and, and then Inverter. So, and, and even Inverter doesn't play that many counter spells. I guess they have disputes in their sideboard, but, uh, you know, you bring in some way to answer Planeswalkers or answer counter spells. So, um, you know, if people aren't really disrupting your Gyruda, uh, the deck is obviously very consistent and very powerful when it's doing its thing. Uh, honestly, I think the biggest issue is just getting run over by the Boros decks, Heroic and Burnt, you know. If you don't have that turn two Sylvan carry added, you definitely get can get run over pretty easily. Oh, absolutely! Like even then, sometimes I mean, like they can still get you right. They can get enough damage in those in those turns they're on the play, then finish you off with some burn and stuff. So oh yeah, and they can you know just got like the heroic deck and just God's willing past your blockers because they're all green for the most part. But you know once you resolve Gyruda, you just create this giant battlefield and like nobody's playing sweepers to clean it up. They're not playing countering your Gyruda. Yeah, you're just not beating them on the board anymore. It's just. It's just not doable. And one last one, the uh, the the newest Pioneer Challenge. This one was won by Yorion Inverter. So um, Egg Dad or Edgar, as, as we like to call him, uh, having some more implications here. Uh, around the same deck list, like nothing super crazy cool going on here. Looking through the rest, another Niv-Mizzet deck made this top eight as well. Some more, um, some more. Is this one a Yorion as well? Yeah, another Yorion Inverter deck. And then in fifth place, we got another uh, Aristocrat deck, which, like you said, kind of fell flat this weekend a little bit. Just so much hate. There were two in the top eight of one of the super qualifiers. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, but I expected that deck to get really good and really popular. Maybe I just kind of don't have a good enough definition of that, you know, but it's, it's still decent. Okay, how about this? Pretty good results considering how much hate we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that at least gives me some hope. Yeah, if you look at, like, the sixth place list, it's a... It's a it's an inverter deck, and they've got Cry the Canary main. You know, you're seeing stuff yeah, like this. Like, most of us have two main, and then one to two more on the mm -hmm. side. And then we're seeing all these, you know, another black-white uh, deck in here with the main deck hounds and stuff like that. You just main deck ways to really, really punish these decks. Uh, they already have baffling ends, you know, and a lot of ways to exile creatures, make sure stuff doesn't come back, stuff like that. And then the one last deck I wanted to talk about, uh, a deck that you and I can definitely love and really get behind the eighth place list, uh, just mono blue devotion, even though it's 20 islands, but there is a card that has devotion in here. There's master of waves in the just deck. call it like mono blue tempo. Yeah, mono blue tempo. I, mean, I will say this. You know, this person really loves mono blue tempo and probably has played it in the past because I, I'm looking at the creature slot and that one of that's in the creature slot. There is a cloud fin raptor in this deck and you might not even know what this card does if you didn't play mono blue devotion when it first came out. <laughs> I know what the card does. Yeah. But uh, one of the big cool new things is there's Sea Dasher Octopus in this deck. It's a four-off. This is a card that you and I talked about when we did our show about like top ten you know cards possibly showing up. It's like, if this deck is ever decent, then this card, this is a home for it. Yeah. And uh, I know uh, Cedric has been 
uh, or had been. He's he's sort of moved on to Yorian Inverter, but he'd been playing a mono blue tempo deck that was similar to this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, his and doing reasonably well with it. His highlights that he would tweet out from it were absolutely hilarious. Like somebody like so the deck plays four unsubstantiate, and if people don't know what that is, it's a one and a blue mana instant. It says return target re- return target spell or creature to its owner's hand. So it doesn't counter a spell. I can't tell you how many times he sh- he would you know show himself like returning a um, supreme verdict. To his opponent's hand and then killing oh, yeah. them with the creatures that are in play. Now, unsubstantiate was kind of the key card in the deck. It was like surprisingly good, and you know we was just browning people with it. Um, this is a little different than what Cedric used to play. It's also seems like they forgot some sideboard cards. Yeah, I was just looking at. There's only eleven sideboard cards, and so either 11, they 11 only either the only re- hey didn't need them. Either they only registered yeah. eleven cards, or because look, Ross, there's there's at least four more blue cards. In the format that they could play. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Or, or just got left off. But I just want to ask you, what is my obsession? Like, what is it that makes me love decks that have 20 islands and four curious obsessions? I'm like, what is it? Uh, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they're a lot of fun. I will say that. Yeah. It's Here's the thing. I'll say this. When you're playing with it, it's awesome. When you're playing against it, when it's doing its thing, it's extremely frustrating. Yeah, they just counter everything you play, draw a million cards. And they're just playing these one mana blue creatures, like these little cheap-ass blue creatures that suck, and you're just getting your... Your shit pushed in by like literal Cloudfitter Raptor, Ross. You know how embarrassing hey, it is to lose to a Cloudfitter Raptor? Uh, not at all, because Cloudfitter Raptor is a quality magic card. Uh, I don't know if it's quality anymore. It definitely w- was in its day. The card was great. But you're looking I at loved playing even this deck, right? I, I get wanting to have another one drop. But you're looking at it's got four Spectral Sailor, four uh, Siren Storm, Storm Tamer. Like, I get it. You know, one more, one drop, you know, more often in your opening hand. Cloudfitter Raptors, look, I'm not saying it's a bad card, but. We've had some pretty good blue one drops printed in the last couple it's years. Better than Gelrider Sliver. It is better than Gelrider Sliver. That's very true. Which I used to play in Mono Blue Devotion back in the day. It was all like a one of or two of, right? Oh yeah, one of. It gave you muta vaults. Get, get those muta vaults up in the air. Baby. Yeah, it gave you muta vaults flying. Yeah, it was a sweet one. Yeah. So, uh, pretty cool. Um, I love seeing Essence Capture in decks like this. I always thought that card was really good. It's it's pretty good in this format right now too. A lot of decks are uh, res- like kind of around casting a, a three or four mana creature. You know, you're looking at Uro, Inverter, Niv-Mizzet, these kind of things. So, you can pay two mana and grow one of your creatures in play. Pretty cool. Man, Terramander's having a rough time. I remember seeing that card and being very excited about it. I think you remember me talking about it. It might have been the truth in, in Legacy for a little while. You know, I was, like, pretty yeah, excited. For like, a week. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I liked the card a lot, but... It just hasn't hasn't cut it. I played the card in fucking modern, so <laughs> yeah, true, true. We did. You, know, you don't you don't have to sell me on a on a terror. Yeah, it was in your uh, it was in some of your is it Phoenix list, right, for a while. Yeah, everybody gave me shit for it. Yeah, they were kind of right, but you were killing people with it, so like whatever. Look, yeah, when I was sitting next to you, all you did was win at the deck, so I didn't ever question anything. I was like, yeah, whatever. The the big thing was everybody else would just like run it out there on turn one and get it gut shotted, and like I would almost never do that. And I would just wait until I could, you know, immediately adapt it. And it was basically just a Tomb Stalker. And I, I was pretty sure that was the difference why I liked the card and nobody else did. And then the, uh, But then everybody started playing, like, Entrancing Melodies in their sideboard. And uh, taking your Terramander was bad. Yeah, for really not a lot of mana, so. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, was, that wasn't fun. All right, so um, overall, really cool results from over the last week in Pioneer. I think it's really cool to see the format kind of self-policing itself. Uh, I said it's itself a lot there. Seeing the format police itself quite a bit. A uh, lot of diversity, a lot of cool decks. Uh, I feel like this is it's in a better spot than it had been in the, the last few weeks where 
I felt like there was a clearer and cut best strategy that you could be doing, maybe one or two, and now it feels like it's a little more open. They really had a problem being in a bad spot, but like I definitely feel like this is a little more diverse than it was for, for like about the last month. Oh yeah, you know we're see we're still seeing you know Lurisburg and Lurus Heroic, but then there's Absent Rally. There's uh, you know a little bit of Lotus Breach still still around, but it's not dominant like it was a couple of weeks ago. And then you know there's the Gyruda deck, which is kind of weird and bullshit. And then seven million kinds of Yorian decks. There's just there's a million of them. And you just get to, you know, pick which, they're, they're all, I guess, good. And, uh, you know, you just get to take your pick. You can play them with, you know, Heliod Combo, and you can splash an extra color, and apparently now you can splash black, and you can play Nib Mizzet, or you can play Super Friends, that that deck exists. Or you can play, uh, you know, Luka and, and Agent People, and I, I just, you can, I guess, play Sultai, but only if you're Logan Nettles, and then no one else can ever win with that deck. Uh but just a million different ways, and and now Yorian and Vert. So it's like seven different Yorian decks that are all succeeding at similar levels. You know, if you go through these four top eights, you know, 32 decks, you'll probably find like two or three copies of all of those. I, got, I think at this point, Yorian Inverter and the Luka version of Fires are probably the most popular and most successful, but the other ones, you know, aren't that much further behind. And if you adjust for, you know, how popular, how widely played they are, you know, are very similar in terms of success. So uh, the format looks, you know, pretty healthy outside of the fact that you basically just have to play Lurus, Yorian, or Combo Deck, which is just how magic works right now. Uh, but it, it is nice to see that even outside of Mishra's Bobble, like I, I sort of always speculated that the reason that there were so many different Lurus decks in Modern specifically was because of Mishra's Bobble letting you, you know, uh, create like powerful control shells and midrange shells and not just have cheap permanents uh, to bring back. Uh, and that's why we saw that diversity within the, the category of Luris decks. But this is, you know, a metagame where we don't have that and we're still seeing some variety in Luris decks and we're seeing an incredible variety in Yorian decks, probably even, you know, like, even more than we're seeing in Modern, uh, mainly because Modern has like, uh, you know, I, once you have Arkham's Astrolabe and you can just play like any colors you want, I think it you know, that's going to lead to just you know play all the best cards. Why would you have to mention Arkham's Astrolabe? We we almost got through the show. <laughs> I, I I skimmed over the bands. We almost got through the show without me being pissed off about that card still being legal. I'm an Arkham's Astrolabe hater, like hater. You I I also very much dislike Astrolabe, but you know the card that I actually just hate is fucking Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah, that card. That card's a trap. That card. Why is it an island? Why? Yeah, why is it an island? It would be fine if it wasn't an island. Oh yeah, perfectly fine. But I just, I just stop making cards that are busted with fetchlands. Stop doing it's it. Almo- Ross, it's almost as if fetchlands were a mistake. Oh my god. And that's why this format's great. We don't, we don't have to deal with that bullshit. <laughs> fetchlands are just the worst. It's why Pioneer is great. So I don't have to deal with these fucking fetchlands. Also, it saves you twelve minutes around from shuffling. <laughs> you're slow ass <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna talk about it for a second i think ours actually is just horrible for the formats that it's in and like yeah like i get it i'm not saying your deck sucks i'm not saying the card sucks or whatever blah blah blah. i just think it's bad for the game and it's not it kind of reminds me of sensei's divining top and not in the same way like top was top was bad for the game depended on power level or not the fact that, that card was playable actually made magic miserable like, anyone who didn't have to play at high-level tournaments, especially in Legacy, playing against that card, like, 
I remember one of the only non-intentional draws I've ever gotten in Legacy is against that card. And, you know, let's say the match would take 60 minutes with the extra turns. How much of that, how much of those 60 minutes do you think I had priority? It's usually less than 15 minutes because I'm not spinning top 100 times during the match. And don't, don't get me wrong. You love to see the ones where, like, they set their top and then you're like, all right, combat, do some soft like attack. And then you're like, go. And then they, they do it again. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like. I forgot. I didn't know it was there, Tannen. Had to look again. Well, here's the thing. I say that. I'd forget all the time. I would be the worst. I tried playing the deck. I really did. I got I got Joe to help me out quite a bit with like miracles and like, you know, just because like it helps you beat the deck too, right? When you play with it, you get to kind of learn the deck better. And I would probably make 15 mistakes a turn because you can, right? Um, a card like that on Arena would be my worst nightmare because you just get priority every single time something happens. Like, do you want to top? Do, do you want to top? Like, do you want to top? And so it's just, it's bad for the game in more ways than just what happens on the board. And I kind of think Astrolabe is kind of approaching the same kind of thing because it's just homogenizing everything, right? Like, it's really bad in Legacy, I think. I think it's really bad for that format. And not just because it changed things. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, you just don't like it because Wasteland's not good anymore or whatever. I'm just like, no, it's just like these four and five color decks like have no drawback now. Like, it's hilarious that the four color decks and even sometimes five color decks in Legacy are playing Back to Basics and Blood Moon to beat you. Like, they are playing that in their deck that is playing four or five colors. That is not okay. Yeah, not even close to okay. Yeah, it's just <laughs> messed up. Like, here's the thing. You know, I always play Delver in big events and stuff. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I hate it. Get it out of the format. Also, I just want to... Oh, uh, I always play Delver at big events, but anytime I play, like, a localish uh, legacy thing, you know, we used to do team events all the time, I would always just play, like, Astrolay Blue Piles because the deck's that good, it's really powerful, and it's so forgiving. Like, it's just so forgiving. Like, all of your cards replace, replace themselves. The deck's just really good, really powerful. Also, I just want to play my Sweet Basics, Ross. I don't want to have to play Snow Basics. I want to play my Beta Basics. Oh, yeah. I want to play my Mirage Basics, Which, Portals... I remember you played, uh, in one of our team events, you actually played Legacy, and I played Modern for, for one of the events, and it was fun to be actually, A, I don't know how you ever played the middle seat, because shuffling your deck is a goddamn nightmare, and maybe that's why you shuffle so damn slow, but it's just such a nightmare, <laughs> but B, I just got jealous of what everybody else was doing, because I could see all the games, and it was like very distracting, thankfully I was playing a mindless deck in Tron, but that's either here or there, but then I remember seeing the basics in your deck, you were playing a blue-white stone blade deck, and I was like... I'm not going to lie, I, when we got back to the room that night, I looked up the basics on, like, TCG Player, and A, they didn't have enough, and B, I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable spending this much money on, because I already have so many of, like, good basics. What basics was I playing? You're playing your Mirage ones, like, you're playing, like, the, some of, like, the really cool, no, no, Portal ones, I think. I think yeah. You're playing, like, your Portal 3 Kingdom okay. or something once or whatever. One of the sets that's harder to find. Portal Second Age is... is... What second I Age, yeah. yeah. I like the Portal Second Age basics a lot. I have a lot of original Portal ones, but... Uh, the art on the Portal Second Ages is nice. Yeah, those are probably like, you know, a couple bucks a piece now. Oh, they were more than a couple bucks, especially when you get all of them. Because the thing is, like, they don't just have those things in stock. That's 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 the problem. Yeah. It's like no one just has those sitting around. You know, they might have enough to get one person to order. So it's just like, are you looking it up right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, okay, so do you want to go ahead and just kind of like move into the mailbag submission part? Um, Since we might be in a while on some of these questions. Yeah, let's do it. So wait, uh, before we do this, I, I do want to say this. Okay, so um, we do have a mailbag submission. We do read these on the air uh, when we do the shows every week. And one of the ways to do this is if you're a Patreon of the show. 
you, if you're a patron of the show, then you get you get access to this channel. You can ask us questions. We're going to answer them on the air. We'll say your name. Um, this We haven't worked out all the kinks in this, but we do want to announce that we have a new reward. I guess reward is the word, Ross. We have a new thing f- for you. Um, right now, we're going to try it out with just the $10 tier. Um, we haven't worked out all the kinks, but we're going to announce this. We're going to do an extra episode. Um, we don't know the timing of it. We might do something like maybe like every six weeks or something like that. Uh, I, I think maybe every month is a little too too quick and it might get stale too fast. But we're going to do a Patreon-only episode where the $10 tier gets access. And we're, 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 we're going to talk about who gets access to it and when and stuff like that. But we're going to be doing a, um, a specific show for the Patreon. So that show will be very different than our average show in the fact that since the show is for you and you are funding the show... You can tell us what you want us to talk about. Obviously, Ross and I will talk about some of the stuff we want to talk about. We're still going to talk about belts and random shit. Baseball. Baseball and basketball. But if you're like, hey, I really want to hear your, I really want to hear your guys' opinion on something. Or like, hey, did you hear about what happened, you know, this week in blah, 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 blah. You know, random thing that you like. Corner case thing. Try to get into us before the night, before we, whatever. So if I need to research the damn subject, because Ross is usually a little more caught up on random things than I am. He's a little smarter than I am. I have to do a lot of reading. Ross could just fire from the hip. So uh, anything like that. So I assume we will just make it. We're just going to make a channel in the Discord, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, we have the Patreon channel. I'm, ass- I'm assuming we'll have like a, a, a brand. I don't know how all that stuff works. That's what Brent's a for. Sub-channel, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But that's going to be a new thing. And speaking of that, all Patreons get access to the mailbag submission question stuff. So let's go ahead and get into that. Did you find the answer to what you were looking for? Yeah, they're like a dollar fifty on SCG. Oh, I thought they were more. Maybe I just misread or whatever. But all right. So uh, I was going to say May eighteenth. I think is the first question, right? From Amrahill three two seven says, based on what we've seen of them so far, if you wanted to make sure you're able to build any Pioneer deck, how many of each Triome would you keep on hand? Ob they have more ability in modern due to fetching, but wondering how many I should pick up for our format. Can I answer real quick if you're while you're yeah. thinking? Here's the thing. I don't think they're very expensive if you're getting them in paper. I, I think they're pacing at like a dollar-ish because they're just rares. Just just get four of each of them. Unless you just don't play standard, then I think the Soul Time one is a decent one to get at a three to four click. And most of the... Any any of the ones that get played in Yorion decks, like the Jeskai one as well. Jeskai and Teamer, I think, are the ones that you certainly will want full sets of. Like the Mardu one, we'll, we'll see. Like that one's not getting played very heavily I, I would definitely have at least one of each yeah i think one of each is a good is a good place to start and then but i would you know, probably have it. full sets of, of the ketria and rogren yeah I think, I think that's pretty much the answer that's where i'm gonna go i mean i'm probably gonna get four of all of them just because you know i'm like you that's what i do lands I just, I just get them and i don't get rid of them you know kind of thing i'm going to only acquire them as the day before tournament when i need them for a deck <laughs> All right, this is a long one, and I haven't pre-read it, so hopefully there's not anything bad in here. Uh, <laughs> this is from Mason Grode. Uh, this is fresh in my mind right now after a weekend of tournaments, so I hope this is still relevant when you read this. Hopefully it is, Mason. Um, with my basic knowledge and experience, it seems like the meta is mostly split between the new Luke of Fires deck and these aggressive Red X decks. I was lucky enough to squeak in uh, to squeak in the top eight of a qualifier with 60-card Inverter, but not confident that Inverter is very good in this polarizing field, unless you hedge your bets in your main board against one or the other and pray you don't play against that, uh, or play against that the most. Anyway... I plan on playing the Super Qualifier on Friday, and I'm torn on what deck to play uh, with a little before I fire it up. 
I was thinking Abzan Rally might be really good against both these strategies, and it might be less respected in the past weekend, which can mean less hate. What do you think? Well, the second part, maybe we were hasty on that thought. It looks like there was a lot of hate this weekend for Abzan Rally. Um, if you're look, if you're coming off of top eight with Inverter, you're you're obviously good with this deck. You're obviously practiced with this deck. You understand your matchups. I think that deck is still good enough to win tournaments. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. Uh, that said, I would. I would mess around with the Yorian build because I do think the Yorian build is better, uh, and you, you would want to get some experience with it. Uh, generally, like you know, the, the Yorian builds are just better in fair games, so you know, going to be better against opposing Yorian decks, and uh, I think better against a lot of the Laris decks as well. I think the matchups where you get worse are Absent Rally and uh, Lotus Breach, where you really just want to be a combo deck. But we're not seeing a lot of breach, and we're seeing a lot of hate for rally. So you're, you know, probably going to see less of it this weekend. So I think this is a really good weekend for Yori and Inverter. So that's what I would, you know, mess around with. Don't try to, you know, don't try to get too fancy with it. Just play the good deck that you you know well, and try to find the best list of it. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. All right, are you ready to have some fun? These next couple questions might take a while. Can we just they're, lump these together? No. They're different. Okay. Um, I might get angry. They might eventually get lumped together. Sure. I might get angry. You might get angry. There's going to be some cuss words. So, uh, earmuffs. But, all right. So, the first one. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. <laughs> why, is the, why is the arena open best of one? Is that a good decision? This is from Lee McLeod. I actually responded to this with, thank you for asking this question. So, which Ross responded with, what is an arena open? <laughs> he hadn't known yet. But, Okay. So for those of you who don't know, the Arena Open is a in-client tournament on Arena that Wizards is running. It's an open tournament. Anyone can play in it. There is a there is a buy-in, and it will have a cash prize. So it's the first tournament of its kind, right? Um, I'm scrolling through this now to get all the stuff right. Um, entry is either 20,000 gold or 4,000 gems. Uh, so it's about 20 bucks. Um, you participate in day one competition we're going to get more into this I'm going, to, I'm going to circle back to this you participate in day one um any number of times you can you, you can literally just keep putting 20 dollars bills in the machine and pulling spin all right but once you qualify for day two you may no longer participate in day one day one is best of one standard format your entropy is valid until you get seven wins or three losses whichever comes first all right and then there's some rewards here um, big thing about the rewards, you don't break even until you win two matches on day two. Uh, day two is no longer best of one, it's best of three. So you will have sideboards. Um, each player plays until they receive seven wins or two losses, whichever comes first. And if you get the full seven wins, you get $2,000. If you get six wins, you get $1,000. you get five, you get 20,000 gems, four, 10,000 gems, and so on and so on. Here's the thing. Overall, this is a good thing. Overall, I like this. This is cool. This is something we've asked for for a long, long time, and they gave you, right? I mean, we're Magic players. We're going to complain about it. They give you a $100 bill. You're going to complain there's a fold in it. I get it, right? The biggest thing that people are talking about and the biggest hang-up on it is the fact that it's best of one day one and best of three day two. And a lot of people are asking, why? Ross, do you know Why? money they they want to make it as easy as possible for you to pull the spin lever as many times on that slot machine 
They want you to play this multiple times. If you're having to play best of three, day one, you are not finishing like more than like two of these. If you play for a lot of the rounds, you might finish three if you like a get really unlucky or b suck. You know, like you're just like not winning matches. I'm gonna be very frank here. I'm sorry. Um, you can still be Ross, but honestly, I think overall this is really good. The prize structure on like your your respective value is actually pretty good for a magic tournament. This is very close to like opens and GPs and stuff like that. But like your expected value, your expected value in return is like 50% of people are going to let you to make it in and do okay. Considering one buy-in, obviously. I think overall this is a positive. I think overall this is good. Beyond the fact that it's standard, which if anybody's followed my Twitter in the last few days, I keep talking about how I might play my first game of standard like over a couple months. Like I haven't played a game with... I own all of Akora on... I own every card in Akoria, uh on Arena. I have never played a game standard, and I have never bought a pack, Ross. I've done this all by just straight drafting this set that many times. I own the entire set. Right? Okay, then. So I'm just trying to I'm trying to emphasize how much of this I... Sick of brag, Tannen. It's not a brag. I'm trying to emphasize how much I have played this set without playing a game of standard. Like, I posted... I put, I, I made Mythic again today, so I, like, I posted where I... You know, the picture of me and Mythic, and then just Bronze 4, or whatever, and, you know, and, and Constructed. Like, I just haven't played whatever uh for those of you who are some people I'm, I'm in the woods leagues i'm like wood whatever but um I'm, I'm gonna look into some games it seems like every day it's another daunting task for me to get in and, and play and you know try it out i might just say yolo and play one of these anyway i know if you had cards you would or if you were allowed to get cards in a way other than just pumping money into what the machine I, I don't know if you if, if it was just sitting in front of you you would at least consider it Maybe but, I'd but have here's to play the, standard. But here's the yeah, but here's the problem. Like you also just can't do this. This is we're also going to circle back to this as well. You you don't have an arena account, right? Do you know how hard it is for you to get a specific deck you want on arena? It's very difficult, Ross. <laughs> like you have to just pump money into it and hope the the cards that you open and the wild cards you open are very kind to you. Like I'm arena rich. Like I'm balling on there. I've got like all the cards. I have like well over a hundred rare wild cards, almost a hundred mythic wild cards, and then you, you, do you know about the vault? Like there's a vault on there, so there's a vault on there, and whenever you open a card that you already own, depending on like what it is, if it's like a mythic or rare, or whatever, it like gives you some progress on the vault. So, because the thing is, if you open a fifth copy of a card, you get like nothing originally. You just it just doesn't have they they fix a lot of it. Eventually, you can accrue up to a hundred percent, and you can open the vault, and it just gives you a bunch of wild cards. It gives you like I don't know, like three rares, like a mythic, some uncommons, whatever. I have like I have like a thousand uncommons and a thousand commons because like you know you don't use them or whatever. I have like six hundred percent vault right now because I'm just like yeah whatever I don't even need it. Like why am I opening? It? I probably should open it so it's a crash my damn program. That's another thing, Ross. This program has nothing for uh, reconnection protection. I I have never like knock on wood whatever. I have never had a huge problem with being disconnected from a game and getting back into it. But you hear the horror stories during the glorified PTQs that Arena does of these people. Like, uh, one of the ones I saw this weekend, somebody was 6 0 or 7 0 disconnected and came back and they just had two losses. Like, just didn't even get to play, didn't get to finish. You know, they tweeted at Wizards, but like, there's nothing they can do. You know, by the time anyone takes a look at it, the tournament's over. Like, what are they going to do? Like, maybe give them a guaranteed uh, one next month. Like, who cares? You know, you, you, so that's where I'm worried. And 
I feel like this happened for a reason, and this is coming up for a reason for something we're going to talk about in a second. This feels almost like a stress test too. You know, like just another big thing that Arena's going to run to see just how bad it can get. Like, where where's the line? You know, how many people get disconnected? How many complaints you get versus we're, we're willing to roll other things out on this progress. That being said, I am happy about this. I think it's cool. When I played on when I played Hearthstone, we begged for this for years. Then they were like, "All right, finally we're doing it. We're we're building an in in program tournament uh, option." And then they didn't do it. They actually like, "Yeah, we're just not going to do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, "Yeah, psych. Yeah, it's whatever." And so you're you're getting this. This is what this is what players wanted. Because here's the thing: there's those little bitty tournament things, you know, like metagame challenges or whatever on Arena. Eh, you know, those kind of interest me, kind of don't, because you can't. Here's the thing. It's hard for me to grind on Arena as much as it would be on MCGO, even though I do grind Arena more because it's cheaper, it's easier, it's cooler looking, and it's faster. But you can't make money off of it anyway. Like, at least on MCGO, you get cards, you can get physical cards in real life, like, et cetera, et cetera. On Arena, you're just pumping more money into it, right? And if something like this starts becoming the norm, like, we just have one of these every Saturday or something, you know, or, you know, one starts at this time and one starts at that time, or it's just all day, so anyone can get into it. This is the thing that everybody's mad about? They're like they're holding a tournament. Not yet. We're, we're not there yet. But there's people that are that are a little mad. But overall, the the the, the overall talk about this is actually not that bad. It's it's most of the complaints is the the biggest complaint is day one being best of one. It's obvious cash grab, and then hey, arena like can't really handle this. Hopefully, there won't be a huge problem. Kind of thing. Yeah. But if you know, ignoring the cash grab aspect of it. It's pretty good, right? I, I like that, you know, it's not the same thing both days. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. That said, you know, standard best of one is probably going to be miserable. I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, I just hear opinions that other people have. But apparently, like, you, you would think that the best deck might not have that good of a win percentage because, like, other decks can prey on it game one. Apparently, Jessica Yorian is still very good game one. It still has, like, a 60% win percentage game one or something. Okay, then. So maybe it'll just be that deck over and over again. There's gonna be a lot of mono red. You know, a lot of people trying to trying to mize game ones. Just I imagine a lot of uh, flourishing of foxes. That too. The algorithm being that it's more likely to be in your open hand than average. You know, oh, like I forgot about that part of it. Yeah. You're you know you're kind of guaranteed to cast your spells the first couple turns. It it makes those kind of decks very appealing. You know, and um, again, I I'm not the the person. That, if you if you have questions about this, like what well, you should be playing, you should be doing. Don't ask me. Ask the person who asked the next question, Yeoman5. Look at his article on TCG Player. This guy is... I actually tweeted about this. I was like, I have no idea where to even start. And Yeoman tweeted with the, the the meme. It's like, am I a joke to you? Like, meaning like, you know, he's like, dude, I got you, you know, or whatever. So I'm like, cool. And uh, I tried to hire him over the week, by the way, Ross. I don't know if I told you this. I wanted him to come be my personal chef. I told him I'd pay him in gems and gold. But he said no. But I think it was before this got announced. So, like, maybe he's got more incentive now. <laughs> You know, kind of thing. Got to stock up before the arena open. Yeah, no, right? You, you pay for these arena opens, boy. You might have to do multiple. So, um, overall, I think this is pretty good, right? I, I think... Like, I'm going to completely ignore it and... Yeah. You know? You're going to go play on Magic Online and yeah. yell, yell at a cloud. Yeah, we get it. I am already yelling at the clouds because it's raining for four fucking days, Tannen. I've been yelling at them for the last 24 hours. Yeah, I wonder if they can hear the rain, like, as much as I could at the beginning. It's gotten better. But mostly... It was kind of quiet when you signed on to. We weren't talking and stuff yet. So overall, um, I think it's a, here's the thing. I don't know if it's the best decision because that, that was a question. Is this a good decision? 
I don't know if it's the best decision. It's probably the best decision for them. And I think overall the tournament is good enough that it's not, it doesn't make it a bad decision. How about that? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Seems fine. I don't know. I'm just not. You're so far removed from this. You don't care. Yeah. yeah, I get it's, it. just, yeah. it's just another thing. I uh, care. The idea that this, you know, company is trying to make money should not be surprising to anyone or, and like, this doesn't even strike me as like n- near the top of the list of egregious things they could be doing to make money. So this leads me into the into the next question and the one where people really are mad. And uh I will I will preface it with this. I have not had time to fully unpack it. And I'm gonna try to not echo chamber Twitter because we do have a problem with that and stuff like that. But uh Yeoman Five has the next question, and this happened in the middle of the cast. Uh what the hell is up with OP? Uh organized play for, for y'all. Um there was an announcement uh today, and I'm trying to find a link. I'm just going to Twitter because yeah. Um there was an announcement today about the changes that were going to happen for the rest of the year to organize play uh, because of the COVID-19 situation. And they address it in there like, hey, we don't know when, if, uh, you know, we're going to get back to what it looked like before, a.k.a. playing on tabletops, playing, playing Magic. I'll tell you this. My LGS opened on Friday, Ross, because my state did a soft opening on Friday. And... Uh, I went to support my LGS. I, I showed up. They, they opened at 10. I showed up at 9.55, uh, walked in, because the owner's a guy. He gets there, you know, super early. Uh, I bought a box of Japanese Ikoria and some and some some uh, collector packs. Just, you know, A, I wanted this stuff because it's cool, and B, I want to support my local store because I think I told you this, my other one shut down. I want to make sure they're fine. And I walk in there, and there's just multiple people playing Commander. All right? No mask, no gloves, just acting normal. Like, nothing's going on. That's your prerogative. You can do whatever you want. I got my stuff, said hi to a few people, and left. You know, it didn't hang out. It felt weird. They could just walk into my LGS. I didn't bring a damn card with me. I didn't bring anything with me. I tried not to touch anything. I, like, kicked the door open, you know. Um, I was wearing a mask, obviously. And, uh, you know, people are talking about that. In fact, somebody messaged me this week, and they're like, hey, we're going to try to get uh, a Legacy League set up at the at, at Gamers, because, like, they used to play it at the at the other LGS, the one that closed, they used to play Legacy. He's like, hey, we're going to try to set it up there. Or would you be able to, like, what night's best for you to play? And I was like, none of them. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't plan on playing Paper Magic for a long time. And I recommend you do the same. I was like, look, I'm not trying to hurt their business or anything like that, because let's be real, game stores don't make a lot of money off Legacy players. But um, I'm going to try to, like, hit some of the bigger points, and you can kind of you can kind of chime in here. But they, you know, they took all the canceled events, or all the ones that were coming up and going to be canceled, and turned them into events that are going to be held on Arena now. So everything is standard. Everything's on Arena. Um, some of the biggest problems that people are having, and I haven't broken down the math, but somebody did, like Calcano did this in one of the streets. So if you know about Christian, Christian Calcano on Twitter, he has this math kind of broken down. I might bring it up. If you look at the money that was taken out compared to the money that's being added into the tournaments, there's a huge gap. Here. So there's less money coming out, which honestly, that's to be expected, I think, a little bit. You know, the company's definitely probably late making a lot less money right now, like most companies. Um, uh, a lot of things are going on with fractional invites. I didn't understand that crap anyway because it didn't pertain to me. You know, I wasn't doing that anymore, you know, grinding towards that. But I know that some of the players that were dealing with trying to qualify for the Pro Tour are not happy with this. Also, I knew something like this was going to happen and something like this had to be coming because. How many qualifiers have they been running on Magic Online, Ross? 
for people to qualify for events that weren't happening. Like, no one ever talked about that, right? And I didn't want to, like, burst anybody's bubbles, but he kept seeing stuff on Twitter every day. They're like, I've been trying to qualify for the Pro Tour for six years, and today I finally did it. And I'm always like, dude, congrats. I remember when I got my first qualification, you know, I got to go to my first Pro Tour. It was a big deal, right? You know, I flew, it was my first flight overseas. I was a freaking giddy little kid, right? You know, I spent a, a week in London. It was amazing, right? I'll remember that trip until the day I die. And then all these people are talking about, I'm like, guys, like, this, either this event's not going to go on for multiple years, or it's going to be something like this. Because I remember talking to you, I was like, so so what happens? Do they just not do these qualifications in any way, but we do like a pro tour in the fact that the first one back is going to be the biggest one in history. It's going to have like 5,000 people in it. Because you just keep running qualifiers, because honestly they have to, because that's what makes them money. And you keep running these qualifiers, but there's no event. But... Yeah, I was say, so that's what people are kind of mad about is the fact that OP is changing again this year. It seems like it's changed three times the last six months. Yeah, well, you knew things were going to have to adjust to because of, of COVID. That's a, you know, I think the big, I think the big issue is getting rid of fractional invites. Is that that's basically what happened, right? That. Mm-hmm. Um, and the huge amount of money that they cut. The huge amount of money is a big deal. Like a lot of people are talking about that, that. Uh, somebody made the joke, it was like Dom Harvey tweeted about it, but he's like, it's funny that the winner of one of the like Pro Tour finals things, you know, like one of the little ones that's going to be on Arena, where like I think first place is $8,000 or whatever, is going to make practically the same amount as someone who got invited to a Mythic Championship in the past and finished dead last because of how much free money it was to be invited to one of those things. That was, that was another part that people are just pissed off about and have a lot of latent anger issues because... You know, they're seeing these tournaments with these ridiculous prize payouts, right? Like some of the biggest prize payouts that Magic has ever had. And there's no way for you to play in that tournament, right? There's, there was no steer, there was no clear path for you to get there, right? And now we're seeing that they're like this year, they're like, look, here, here's a path for you to get there. Here's what you do. And then that was taken from us. And now that doesn't even exist anymore. Another problem people are having, Ross, is they're like, well, now you're forced to play in arena, right? Like, let's say, hey, let's say you would qualify for one of these. Yeah, right? playing on Magic Online. Yeah, playing on Magic Online. Or even you were one of the, the people who qualified in paper. You have to play Magic Arena now. And we talked about this earlier in the show. You don't have any cards on Arena, right? You know how much it's going to cost you to, to build a deck? At the least, at the least, I think you could maybe get lucky with this big deck for $250. Do you know what, you know what the last place prize payout is? $250. Bucks. So, like, you're looking at breaking even. Like not even, and it's not even mentioning time, effort, testing, like how much blood, sweat, and tears you put into this. And I see why people are pissed. And it was a little bit different on Twitter today, like a little bit different. I think today is a really somber day on Twitter for for Magic Twitter. It was a little different than, because here's the thing: Watsy gets shit on on Twitter overall. I think ninety percent of the stuff that you see about them, maybe more, is negative. Like a problem with this, a problem with that. Up and down, right? Organized play down to why are the you know why are the secret layers oh, like ninety nine percent plastic? Like why is it just this big huge plastic thing and it give me five cards? Like do you know every piece of plastic that's ever made is still in this world? Can we can we chill with the ridiculous boxing? You know, it's like just you see the disparity of it. Like right, it's like the thing about you see more complaints online than you see people being like, hey, this this business is great because you know, when you have a good or a decent enough interaction, you're not going to go out of your way to say something. When you have a bad one, you're going to say something, right? Yeah. And so you expect all this stuff. The thing is, it wasn't just outrage today, right? It wasn't just like anger or this being bad. There was a lot of people today saying like, this is probably it for me. 
and it, sorry, I, I don't know if you heard my dog. There's a lot of people saying, this is probably it for me. And I hadn't seen that kind of reaction on this big of a scale. You know, and that kind of worries me. It kind of, it kind of scares me. But, but here's the thing. I kind of knew this was coming. Not this specific, but like the kind of the old guard was going to kind of phase out. You've kind of seen it. If you look between the lines of the last few years, especially the ones that weren't MPL or fell off the MPL, it's like Magic's great. It's the greatest game it's ever played. It's very different next year and this year than what it was five years ago, what it was 10 years ago, what it was 15 years ago. You're looking at a stark contrast. And, and maybe that's not for you. You know, but... I think a lot of the things they're doing overall are positive. The change to digital, it, you have to do that to survive. Like you cannot survive as just a, a tabletop game anymore. Kids will not play this game, especially in a in a COVID world too. Yeah, exactly. Like this, I think this. Here's the thing. You may not like these cho choices. I'm not condemning them. I'm not accepting them. I'm not saying they're great. You may not like these choices. The people making these choices were put in a really, really difficult situation. And they're doing what they can with what they have, right? And they're kind of forced into this, right? Like, like what are they supposed to do? Just, just sit there and be like, all right, well, hopefully in late 2021, we can play some tabletop stuff. Because, like, when do you think they're going to allow a gathering in the size again? I have no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting to play Paper Magic until 2021. And I'm, I'm hoping that's true. Because here's the thing, everybody, everybody kept talking about this. And again, I'm trying not to be, I try not to be like the, that one dude, you know, the, oh, but actually guy, or the, the guy that always has like a negative reaction. Um, but those people are like, oh yeah, you know, the first SCG open that's back, you know, it's gonna be a huge, everybody's gonna be a big party. People aren't gonna care about if they win or lose, everybody's gonna be there to like hang out and stuff. And I'm like, I'm probably not going to that shit. Because <laughs> I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's gonna be fun. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna miss that. Like I remember thinking, I was like, I'm not missing that. I'm going to that one. I don't care where it is. It could be a bum fucked whatever, you know? And Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, some, some just some weird. I'll be like, that's probably not the best phrase to use. I apologize, but like you know, just some weird you know location they've never had one. It's like somewhere in one of the flyover states, you know, that like they would never have a magic tournament in, so like Idaho or something. Nothing gets Idaho, but you know, some state that would never have an event. And then I was thinking about, it, I was like, do I actually really want to go to that? I'm not trying to say anything bad. I'm not trying to say anything bad about the company or anything. It's just like, I don't know if I want to have that kind of risk. I mean, if if it's a po like a post vaccine world, yes. You know, yeah, that makes uh, a big deal. Then, you know, sure. Uh, but, you know, how long... I, I, don't, I don't even really know, like, how long that process takes, but I imagine it's quite a while because they're going to have to go through, you know, several rounds of testing and then they have to, you know, somehow distribute it and... and yeah. Clinical trials, like... Yeah, they have to do clinical trials. They have to, you know, make a certain volume of it, right? You know? Um, and then it's probably going to be too expensive for the average human being or the average American to, to afford it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a whole shit show, but like, yeah. you know, are they going to allow large gatherings like a magic tournament before a vaccine is, is made? Maybe not. Maybe we don't play magic until 2022. Maybe, you know, maybe Ikoria rotates out of standard before we, you know, get to play it in paper <laughs> tournaments. Yeah, it's like, there's all these really cool and cool art versions of these cards. I'm like, I never get to put this thing in a goddamn sleeve and play with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I just started playing with them because it got released in paper, so we finally started using them on Versus. Yeah. The actual cards. Um, it was a long time to be using playtest cards. It felt weird, right? It felt weird. Like, I, I, I busted my box on my Twitch channel. Like, I, you know, opened my Japanese box or whatever. It was a little disappointing overall, whatever. It was some cool stuff. Like, I did get a foil Japanese Luris, which is really sweet. Um, But it was weird to see the cards in paper and be like, I've been playing with these for like a month. I've already done possibly 100 drafts in this format. Like, I've probably done 100 drafts in this format. You know, 
like some unreal number. It's definitely over 50, right? All right. So I talked a lot about that stuff. That was me talking a lot. Um, what is, you've had some time to read it and kind of hear some stuff. Do you have any thoughts? Anything? Um, I mean, the big thing for me is just how much money got slashed out of these tournaments because they've been running a ton of PTQs on Magic Online. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get up in arms about like, forcing everybody to play Arena. Like, obviously, they, they want people to play Arena. So, you know, if you're playing competitive Magic like, and you really want to be do, do everything possible to like, be like, playing on the Pro Tour, you should probably be playing on Arena because that, that's where every high-level tournament they've had that's been digital has been for the last you know, two years. Uh, so that shouldn't be surprising at all and that you know, isn't a big deal to me. The big deal to me is just how much the prizes of these tournaments have been slashed. I, I get that, you know, you're a business that is probably losing a lot of money and you need to, like, help your bottom line. That's just ridiculous. Like, you know, it's just ridiculous. Y- y'all can't see my face. I wish you could see my face right now. I'm just doing the, the eyebrow up nod, you know, the mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. advertised these tournaments at a certain level already. Like, you know, yeah, they had, like, you know, the initial, I guess they had to be canceled. So this is sort of just creating new events uh, in a sense, but... You know, you're slashing what, like eighty percent of the prize pool, you know, and it, you know, you're also probably saving money holding the tournament on arena. Like you don't a have lot. to hire all the staff and and everything for a it. A lot of money. So yeah. you know, you that's just a that's the cash grab. Like they're mm-hmm. literally just skimming millions of dollars off of the you know blatantly <laughs> off of the prize pool. And like, you know, that's a that's a huge letdown to me. We went back to prize pools before esports. You know what I mean? Like before the arena boon. Because when you look at it, like, and I remember saying, I thought this was, this was one of the one of the problems when arena got really big and too big for its britches and started, you know, blowing up. And I was like, they're throwing a lot of money at these prize pools because you have to have big flashy prize pools, right? You know, you think of these world champions win $10 million or, you know, win a million dollars, you know, just some absurd number, right? You know, because like, here's the thing, you know, when you think about pro tours, like the winner got what, 50,000, 60,000 sometimes or whatever. That's not a number that really attracts eyes anymore when you think about like digital online games. Like when you think of well, like League of Legends, these winning teams getting like twelve million dollars and stuff, or you know, these winning teams getting you know a number with a bunch of zeros behind it, and I mean a lot of zeros, Ross, like six or seven zeros. And you see these numbers, and it's like, dude, that's that's four zeros. That's that's so many less zeros. <laughs> like that's your, your where are the extra zeros? Yeah, where where all the zeros go? And uh, you know, we kind of interested in that. It's just. We could go on this for like quite a while. Um, I actually did like an interview for somebody on on YouTube recently where he, he asked about, you know, my ideas for this, this the current state. And it's before the current state of Ordinance Play, before this. And I talked about my, you know, how I felt about the MPL overall and stuff like that. And I do think a lot of this, the decisions they've made that have been mostly hated on have actually been, I think, over hated on and that they're like good for what people are trying what is trying to be accomplished and where the game is going to go in the future it's going to hurt and it's going to affect people that are that are enfranchised into the game right now and i'm not trying to say like suck it up or whatever i'm not this sucks you know these choices suck i do not agree with them i'm gonna probably play magic for the rest of my life or whatever you know as long as i have time and effort and shit but like i'm kind of glad i got out of being super competitive when i did you know, how much things have changed in just the, if I think of just a small time frame of me not playing the SCG tour every weekend anymore until like now, how many different OP announcements I've heard 
Like how many <laughs> massive changes I've heard. And I can't keep up. And I was I was enfranchised in this shit. Like I had to keep up with that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I have a you know a, a better understanding than the average player for this stuff. I'm not saying I'm smarter than you. I'm saying I've been in it. I've had to be in the system and you kind of like, you know, have a frame of reference. Like, can we just can we just chill? <laughs> like, and I know like man, could COVID just chill too? I know it's not it's not just Watsy, but I mean overall, man, this just sucks. I will say this. I think it's gonna be cool and better. The timing sucks with this, right? Like if they had uh, another, if Historic was a little bit more popular, which apparently a lot of people think Historic's great, and I've heard good things about Historic, but you can't really make people play Historic for the Pro Tour, right? And we've heard that Pioneer might come to uh, Arena before the end of the year. Like that's the plan, right? And I would say, like, are all the cards in Pioneer legal? Like all of them. Because then I'm not going to be Arena rich anymore. I'm going to be Arena poor as shit trying to get all that stuff, right? And um, maybe that's what I'm actually saving it all up for. I'm just ready. I'm going to have like every every goddamn Pioneer deck in the world. But um, if Pioneer was like a thing on Arena right now, I think people would be a, a little less perturbed in one way. Like, well, at least I could play a different format instead of knowing that every high dollar event I have to play it, I have to play Standard. Because the overall consensus for Standard for, for the as long as I can remember is, is negative. Standard was really good. For the first, uh, you know, from Guilds of Ravnica up until War of the Spark. The, we had good standard formats. So standard, of course, that was the first time standard had been good in like three years. And then since War of the Spark, it's been bad continuously. So that's, you know, about a full year, a little over a year. So it's been bad for, you know, four and a half of the last five years. <laughs> that's a problem. Uh but, yeah, um, you know, it's pretty clear that, like, you know, you know they want to be pushing Arena, and it sucks that, you know, we just have Standard. I don't, like, I don't really understand why you're saying they couldn't have a historic Pro Tour. I mean, the, the format, I mean, I guess they could. Yeah. The thing is, like, over, look, I, I know people here play Historic. Uh, I think it's great what Hoogland's doing with the format. No one plays it. Let's be real. Like, overall, just no one plays it. Yeah, and formats are always really fun when they're unexplored yeah. because all the decks are pretty untuned and you can generally succeed with weak decks. You know, so If you're but, enjoying Historic right now and it's cool and there's a lot of cool decks, you don't want the pros getting their hands yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. If it becomes a Pro Tour format, then, like, it's just going to ruin it. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna break it very quickly. Like it was like the people for the longest time they were like, we want a commander GP. I'm like, you really don't. <laughs> like they're gonna break that format, and they're gonna get a lot of your favorite cards banned. But I'm kind of gonna circle back on one of the other things that does piss me off though, because I didn't really step on the fact that they're also forcing the players to get cards is unreal to me. I, I want you to know this and why I think it's so unreal. In every other esport that I watch, it's anything similar like this. Hearthstone, you know, League of Legends, these other games, they give you what's called a god account. That's the nickname they give it to you where you just have everything, right? And they give us those at a regular... They have these literally already written to the code. I was, I was a you know, the the VIP streamers where you get to stream the day before the pre-release and they, they give you an account that just has everything in it, right? And they're saying that we're not going to do this for players for, for these Pro Tours, that they, they have to have the cards themselves, it costs you nothing. Ross, it costs them nothing. Where's that $10 million going, Ross? How about we give them some goddamn uh, god accounts? It's going straight into some 
shareholder you know dividends and some maybe executive bonus pay i love mutual companies by the way but anyway <laughs> we're not going to get into that if i go down that line i can definitely get in trouble at work but um but yeah like i'm like reading a tweet i know we're talking about twitter a lot today sorry guys it's you know it just happened today on twitter and so some people talked about it and like ryan overturf like today was talking about it and he made a good point he's like paper and magic online are expensive but the objects are transferable you can borrow or at least mitigate your cost by selling whatever you bought for for a paper or MTGO tournament. You put it in arena and it's gone. You, you you can't here's the thing. If you could redeem cards on arena, I would have four of every goddamn card in real life and on there. I would just just go crazy. I'll pay the the extra, you know, the the vig. I'll I'll pay the juice. Like whatever, you know? And putting these players in the situation where yeah, they, you know, they played on Magic Online or they played in paper to Q and then, oh, you have to go play on this other program and, you know, get all these cards. And there's no, you know, there's no card hoarder. There's no mana traders. There's no, like, loan program, right? And then your, your, your system of collecting the cards on there is not the best either, right? You know, it's, 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 it's okay. It's better than it was, you know, but it's not amazing. It's just, every other game does this. And yeah, we're not every other game. I get it. But I don't think it's too hard to kind of just throw the players a bone there. Yeah. No, it's incredible. In fact, it's incredibly easy. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's it's actually just... It's like, I'm really glad we started the questions as quickly as we possibly could. I know we kind of sped through the, the magic deck talk this weekend, this week, guys and girls. But I really wanted to be able to like kind of answer these and put some of the gravity into it. I'm trying to, you know, kind of condense everything. But... What does it what does it say about me now? And what does it say about magic in general where I'm just kind of numb to this now? Like, you know, people are outraged, don't get me wrong. And I'm just kinda of like, eh, whatever. Is that is that an age thing? Is that a I don't care anymore thing? Is that a I'm just not surprised anymore thing? Like uh, it's a, I think it's kind of a combination because I'm the same way. It, it's a, you know, you're not one, you're not surprised, and two, like you know, you've already been disappointed by Watsy so many times, you know, what's one more? Yeah. So uh, you know, and can, can we talk to about that for two seconds? We, we did talk about this earlier. Let's not lay all of this at Watsi's feet. It's not the people that make the decision. Watsi, it's not necessarily their fault. I think that they're trying to do the best of what they can. Because, like Ross said, don't forget this is a publicly traded company. They're a subsidiary of Hasbro, which is a I'm guessing a billion dollar corporation, probably multi billion dollar corporation. You know, they do movies and shit, right? And they have a bottom line. And one of the only things that kept Hasbro going during, you know, some of the downturn years was Magic was a profitable uh, product while all the other stuff was not. And there's going to be a lot of stress on your product, especially in times like this, right? They're going to be like, hey, we need you to cut this much money here. And Watsi's going to do what they can. And I do want to stress that, that I, I do think they're trying really hard to do as best they can. I guarantee you there's a lot of people at Watsi right now that are not very happy with this. You know, there's a lot of people working that are like, dude, we did what we could. I don't, I don't like it. I don't love it. I don't agree with it, but this is what it is. And anyone who's had a real job, you know, you've, you've, you've had a bunch of people over you, bosses, more bosses, done TPS reports, whatever, you know, whatever joke you want, you understand, you know, they, they have, people have to make decisions that aren't always for the greater good, but you just have to do it. And it sucks. And I'll say this, hopefully the game can survive all this. I don't think it's like sky is falling 
type stuff, but I do think that you need a decent organized play program to really keep the game going because it's Magic has such a rich history of that. While in other games, I think it almost can be either or. You know, we always talk about in Hearthstone, it's like if you didn't have a big competitive scene, like it wouldn't be that bad. And like now their competitive scene is very small. It's like very condensed. You know, when I was involved in it, there's a damn tournament like multiple times a week. You know, it was, it was like, when you had like Star City broadcasting every weekend, this broadcasting every week, it was like you had stuff every day, right? You had huge tournaments going on. It'd be like a Wednesday. I'd be casting a tournament that had like a $500,000 prize on like a Wednesday, you know, because the money was bigger, obviously, or whatever. So I guess we can kind of leave this discussion behind. You know, we, we, we've kind of beat this one. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say at the end here? No, I'm, I'm good. I kind of just went off a little bit. <laughs> this is just another thing that like, doesn't really have a huge impact on me, but I get, I see it, it. It's very shitty, so I'm disappointed for you know everybody who's been who basically qualified for these and was hoping to play something for much higher stakes and a, a much better event, but uh, is going to be stuck with this. So. Yeah, this too shall pass or whatever. You know, like we'll see. I mean, here's the thing: it, it's hard to be optimistic, but I do think I do, I do think overall some good stuff will come out of this like arena here's the thing if this works well enough for arena then you're going to see more of this kind of thing i think that's a positive right like having actual stakes for tournaments on arena like you can win money so you're telling me if i win what 14 rounds or whatever i just get two thousand dollars i can do that i've won 14 rounds in a row before or ish ish you can go 14 and three yeah i've done that's just top eight in a grand prix i've done that you know top eight and open i've done that a few times 14-3 is like uh, it's like top four in a Grand Prix with no buys, right? You go 13-2 in the Swiss, and then... I'm trying to remember my... Okay, so I had two buys at the Grand Prix, so I went 6-1. and one. Yeah, I think I won like 12 rounds or something like that. Yeah, when you've got a couple buys, it, it, it changes it, so... It was so uh, long ago, I can't remember, Ross. <laughs> you're, you're like top eight in Grand Prix, basically, top four in Grand Prix, yeah. and you're getting $2,000 out of it. But you're also sitting in your room. You don't even have to wear pants. Like, no one's going to check. Yeah. You, can, you can be in your room in your pajamas, you know, playing with your dog. You can you can have your buddy on your Skype call or your Discord call helping out. You know, all that stuff. Well, yeah. Same thing's going to happen to the Pro Tours. We don't know. I guess we could have the video on people. But, I mean, like, let's be real. They can't have a video on every single person or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't oh, look, What kind of cover? Are, are they going to try to do coverage for There's, this? Yeah. Yeah, there's no way. that. Here's the thing. You talked about like how the, the cost goes down. You know how much cheaper it is to do that coverage when... Every, I, I could do coverage for it for like a thousand bucks. You know what I mean? Like like overall, I'd be like, you got, I got a person to run it. Someone with a TriCaster like running the thing over there. Some two, you know, me and you call in and we're like, hey, what does that card do? We, you know, we wouldn't be the best, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like with a low budget, you could, you could make this happen. And it's got to be insignificant next to what it costs to do the stuff in person. Like, have you, did you watch any of the arena open, uh, events? I don't know if they're going to cover the arena open. Is that what you're talking about? I don't know if they're going to cover the arena open. I, I would say no to that. I'm sure people will stream it, but I thought you meant all the other events they have planned. Yeah. I meant mainly the other ones, but like, what are they going to, I was just wondering what the extent of the coverage was going to be. Is it just going to be them talking over matches? Like, yeah, I think it'll be kind of like what you saw with, the the Grand Prix stuff that Channel Fireball ran, where like if people are streaming, they'll they'll follow. And then they may do like the Reduke Grand Prix thing, where they just followed Reduke. You know, they might have like one person that they do every round, and they'll do another match too, or something, just depending on how fast and stuff it is. So we'll see. Um, I don't know where where to like go from here on the show. You know what I mean? Like, 
Because I feel like we're kind of done, but... I mean, we're almost two hours in, Tannen. Yeah, I guess that's enough. We can just wrap it up. Yeah, just, yeah, just be done with it. I don't know, you got anything cool going on in the next few days? No, just same shit. No? No, no plans? Streaming. I've been, uh... I've been playing a lot of uh, video games lately. I need to get myself outside a little bit more, but it's so gross outside right now. It's like raining all day, and then if it's not, it's like 95 degrees and humid and stuff, so I don't know. Yeah, it's not great, So, but I do miss going do things. I'll say that. You never knew how much you liked just going to a restaurant, you know? Yeah. So I liked uh, it a lot, Tannen. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm getting really hungry now talking about this, so I might need to let us go. All right, Ross. If people wanted to hear more of your musings, watch you play Magic in any way, shape, or form, or other stuff, where would they go? First things first is my Twitter account, at Ross Hunneds, R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. Best place to follow along with everything is there, or, you know, shoot a question my way. Uh, Then there are my articles, which typically go up on Tuesday mornings on Star City Games at 11 a.m. I actually took this week off from writing. For, like, the first time in, like, five years, I just sat you know, at my desk all for like a full day and just couldn't come up with anything. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to take this week off. Uh, just sad, like, just said nothing. So hopefully... You're that, just dry. The well is yeah. dry. So I took this week off, but there'll be another article next uh, next Tuesday. Then um, then there is Versus Live that I host uh, along with Corey Baumeister, 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Star City Games Twitch channel, uh, same place you went to watch open coverage. Uh, and we are, you know, we just play around with, with whatever. So we might actually play some best of one standard, you know, to get prepared for this arena open. Uh, so you can, if that's something that interests you, you can look out for that. Uh, if you can't catch us live, those do go on the Star City Games YouTube channel. Tuesday shows go up the following Friday. Thursday shows go up the following Monday. So you can watch them uh, there as well. And then there is my stream. I'm Ross underscore Miriam on Twitch. Uh, don't stream on a exactly set schedule but i tend to stream like once during the week and usually two out of the three days of the weekend uh and you can you know catch me announcing my streams on twitter or just follow me on twitch and get the notification uh and i tend to focus on modern and pioneer there so where should they uh go to find you tannin all right so first things first if you want to follow me on twitter it's at the tannin grace uh a lot of musings going on there random stuff uh i do post stuff about the show um you know, some, some less sports right now since they're, you know, they don't exist right now. So, in sports, when when that's back, so we'll see. Um, I am streaming a little bit on Twitch, no regular schedule, and it's more a little a little more variety than Ross. Um, it's under uh, just Tan and Grace. There's no the, it's just Tan and Grace on Twitch. But I stream uh, some Magic. It's mostly limited on Arena right now because that's what I enjoy the most. Um, and then I've been playing a good bit of uh, Call of Duty Warzone on there, as well as streaming some poker. Uh, I've been doing it pretty much every Friday night for poker lately. And uh, just get on there and, I don't know, it's been fun. You know, flexing those muscles that I haven't used in a long time. Kind of miss it. And just messing around and stuff, so that's been, that's been a lot of fun. Um, if you want to see or hear more stuff for the cast, the cast itself has a Twitter, at CastPioneer. This is the best place to get all of your news about our podcast. If you need it there, it's at Cast Pioneer again. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, when As soon as the new episode goes live, it gets tweeted out uh, by our wonderful editor, Brent. 
And then all the other news, we do uh, retweet a lot of really cool stuff on there. I saw some really cool decks this weekend that I was retweeting from uh, from Twitter. You know, especially if you tag us and stuff, we're very likely to retweet your deck list. And there's some cool discussions going on there. <clears throat> on that Twitter account, you will see a link to that aforementioned Discord. Um, the Discord has well over 600 people in it. And you can talk about pretty much anything you want to talk about in there. We've got all kinds of stuff in there. Um, Ross and I always talk about our two favorites lately being food and pets. Uh, a lot of cool pictures, you know, since we're all sequestered. The food section has been popping off. I will say this. One good thing coming out of COVID-19, our food category thing, people are, like, trying to one-up each other in there. And it's hard because we got some, like, we got a couple people in here that not only are they good cooks, but, like, you know the shows where they, it's, like, taste. They, they do three categories. It's, like, taste, something, and plating, right? And you get a, you get a zero through ten. I don't remember the whatever. This is the Iron Chef score. Yeah, so it's it's, it's how much you follow. Yeah, second. creativity. Uh, we have multiple people in here that are getting like just tens for plating. Like multiple people are just killing it. Like the picture, I'm like, dude, did you get this out of a magazine or like is this from a website? <laughs> and they're like, no, this is my table. You know, I'm like, Jesus. Here's the I am not killing it on the plating. You, well, but the food I'm making is pretty good. I've tried. I do it from time to time. Like uh, before all this happened, my wife had a couple friends over once, and I like made them some snacks and stuff, and I like I have a. Like, a, you know, we have some dishes that are set up for that. And I remember I did it. And she was like, solid 10 for the plating. I was like, yes, I did it or whatever. But uh, lots of cool stuff going on in there. And like I said, there's those aforementioned channels in there that you can only get in if you're part of our Patreon. So if you're a patron, there is a channel that's just for you. Uh, Ross and I are pretty active in there. There's a mailbag submission uh, channel that's also just for you. And then we'll probably be making a whole nother channel in there just for the Patreons where um, you get to kind of help guide the patron-only uh, episode that's going to be coming up relative. I, I assume that we're going to try to get the first one out pretty quick and see how, how much it takes, how it's responded to, because this is a work in progress. Um, we're trying to, we're trying to do as much as we can for our patrons right now, because we understand that, you know, people can't support stuff as much as they, they did, you know, pre COVID. We understand it. And the people who've stayed with us and the people who were with us in the past, we really appreciate you. Even if you're just listening to the show, we really appreciate everything you do. But the people that are just helping support us monetarily and keeping the show alive, we really, really appreciate what you're doing. So we're trying to give you that little extra help. We do still have another um, thing for everybody. We have a few more things in the works. And we have tokens that are physically on Ross's desk. Are they still on the desk? They're physically on Ross's desk right now. He's showing them to me on whatever. Those will go out as soon as it gets a little bit calmer in the country, which I think we might be able to be able to do relatively soon. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know when that date happens, but... Whenever it becomes a little more safe for Ross to, you know, I was going to say traverse the wilds out into the, and, and get that done. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it to you as soon as possible. But we really appreciate everybody there. We have a $2, $5, and a $10 tier. And we really appreciate everyone there. But the $10 tier looks like it's going to be getting these, um, these extra episodes every now and then. And like I said, it's your episode. Y'all are paying for it. You're 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 doing everything you can to to make us want to do more for you. So tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you want to see. We'll probably even film it too. I don't know. We'll figure it out. And we got a few other things in the works that we're trying to work out. But this is the one that seemed like was the easiest to get off the ground as quickly as possible and iron out the kinks and get everything ready. So that'll be um, something that we're working on. If you have any feedback for that, let us know. Um, also, start thinking about what you want to hear because we can start doing this episode. I mean, literally in the next couple of days. And stuff like that. So we'll try to get those out as quickly as possible. If if they respond to really well, then we'll do them more often. You know, otherwise, we, you know, we don't want to like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't want to saturate you guys with too much of it. But I don't know if you can get too much of Ross's beard. I know I can't. So we'll get that done as soon as possible. So 
Again, thanks everybody for listening. Y'all are awesome. Uh, sorry about the somber tone for this week's cast, but it was it was kind of rough the last couple of days. It's been a, a great few days for Magic. I promise. I'm usually a pretty big bastion of hope on these things. I try to stay positive. I promise I'll be a little more positive next week. I, I'll try to be more yeah, positive. I will balance. I guess your positivity out with my unique brand of cynicism. I, I like to call it curmudgeonness. <laughs> Curmudgeonly cynicism. That also works. Yeah, exactly. I love you, Ross. I miss you so much. But all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we'll see you next week.